Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. All hell's broken loose. <laughs> There's so much going on right now. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with the big news. The big news is that I got the news. Uh, yes, I'm arranging my seat. I'm sorry. The big news is I got the word yesterday uh, that we're going to uh, have um, Alan Dershowitz and Naomi Wolf on the show next Tuesday. Well, this Tuesday, actually. This Tuesday, the 14th. And so Naomi's on at 8 a.m. Central uh, and Alan's on at 9 a.m. Central. Uh, that's any either one of those would be a blockbuster for the show to have both of them on the same day. I'm going to be wrecked. I don't know what I do afterwards, but I could probably have to hit the gym or something. My adrenaline is going to be going crazy. But that's what's happening. So Alan Dershowitz at 9 a.m. next Tuesday, uh, Central Time. Uh, that'd be 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and on the West Coast, you probably aren't awake yet. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and then, of course, we have Naomi Wolf at uh, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, and so just go back a couple hours, one hour back for Mountain, one hour back for uh, Pacific Time. Of course, Arizona hasn't changed, so they're actually uh, the same time as Pacific Time. No, actually, no, they're the same time as Mountain Time right now. They're actually one hour um, behind us, so that's what's going on. So, uh, in fact, Tara's just on the line now, so we, I, I'll just repeat my announcement. We have Naomi Wolf and Alan Dershowitz on the show next Tuesday. Uh, Naomi first at 8 and then uh, Alan at 9. That's going to be huge. The other news is, uh, is our Citizen Legislation Day. And that's doing really well, too. We've got some more sponsors. Uh, we've got uh, all kinds of folks that are coming on board. I'm going to get some more national guests. I just emailed C-SPAN uh, this week, and hopefully they'll be covering our event. We've got uh, Larry Downs Jr., who's going to do full social media coverage. So the whole thing will have worldwide coverage. We just have to share it. But uh, C-SPAN will be good, and then I'm going to contact the BBC next week and see if we can get that for our European uh, and international listeners. And so this, this, it just we're going crazy. We're going to be a major force. We're going to be such a force here. We're not going to, you know, the folks around here, they have no idea what's about to happen. Uh, neither do I. That's part of the fun of it. But it's going to be very, very interesting. And, of course, part of our Action Radio family uh, is Tara D with the Animal Shelter Report. So let's get right to her. Can't you just see yourself all curled up on the couch with a really cute kitty cat just hanging around your neck? Or some adorable lap dog just looking up at you with those big eyes? Maybe you need a dog for hunting, for herding, for protecting the family, or just to take walking. Maybe the house just needs a family cat, or when available, a pet bird. Where can you find these wonderful animals? At your local animal shelter. And now it's the Santa Rosa County, Florida Animal Shelter Report with Tara D. You know, I get so hyped up with my uh, my initial comments, especially today, because I have both Naomi Wolf and Under Schwartz on next Tuesday. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I have like two yeah, massive sets of notes to keep straight. What do you think? That's pretty wild, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's. That's that's crazy. That's going to be a huge show. So um, yeah, I hope everybody gets a chance to listen. And and I'm really excited about about the Citizen Legisla- Legislation Day as well because that just gives people an opportunity to get involved. And mm-hmm. if they don't know a lot like me, it'd be a good chance to kind of get information and learn a lot, talk with different people. So I think it's a great thing to come to our community here and you know get people involved and see, let them see what they can do 
to be a part of the process. So I think that's awesome. Oh, it's it's, just, it's way more than that, and it's, it's really glad, I'm really glad you brought that up because you go to most of these events, and they're just like, here's what's going on. We need to take our country back. They complain. They whine. Mm-hmm. They piss and moan, and they don't do anything. And right. what, the, what makes this event different, we're actually going to be teaching people how to write legislation right there. This is a teach-in. This is a workshop. This is why we're asking everybody to bring a computer because we're going to write legislation mm-hmm. right there that day. Oh, that's uh, exciting. And we're going to have – Oh, yeah. We're, hopefully we're going to have legislators there that can, can take a look. And uh, I can ask them point blank, are you going to support this? You know, you know me. I'm really blunt. Yeah. Put him on the spot. And yeah. <laughs> speaking of blunt, Pianchi's on live chat. He says, wow. <laughs> so Pianchi gives us a meow. Uh, but, it's, but it's still funny to go that that contrast. You know, now I'm hyped up again. So I need to play your theme again because it really does mellow <laughs> me out. Uh, but uh, Citizen Legislation Day. Citizen Legislation is, is all the things that Congress and the state legislatures and the local governments aren't doing. And, mm-hmm. and our solutions are so simple and so straightforward. And, you know, vaccine product liability takes about three words uh, changed in the law twice, you know, from shall not be liable to shall be fully liable. That's it. Mm-hmm. From not be to fully. That's like three words. So you take mm-hmm. out two and you replace it with one. And that, that changes everything. That means they're responsible for what they're doing like every other company. You know, our, our right. local donut shop has more liability than, uh, than Pfizer. That's insane. Yeah, that anyway. is that is crazy. And you know, yeah. everybody doesn't have to be on the same agenda. This is America, so everybody has different views and different opinions and it's about mm-hmm. working together to find what works best for everybody. So it's like don't you know, and I would encourage people just because you're you don't lean far right or far left, it doesn't mean everybody can't find a common ground. I think most people are a lot more alike than we think. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think the news and things like that kinda tend to separate us because it's easier See, they're control the masses if they're fighting with each other, you know, so. You know, that's a good point, too. And you'll notice on my show that I think I pick on Republicans more than Democrats, just because I know what the Democrats are going to do. The Republicans are geldings. They're useless. They're, they're just like dead weight. Um, they have no ability to do anything. So I don't consider myself a conservative or a liberal or an independent. I'm an anti-federalist. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking that the Articles of Confederation should have been modified, that the Constitution, you know, gave certain government uh, agencies way too much power. And so, uh, so that I'm, you know, and you look at our bills, our bills are nonpartisan, you know, big pharma, um, liability is nonpartisan, uh, big tech, mm-hmm. you know, ending censorship. That's nonpartisan. That ends, that ends censorship for everybody. It doesn't just end it for conservatives, yeah, absolutely. you know, and our, and our bill, our constitution, here's the big one. I want to just do a little more politics for a minute here. Our big bill, the constitutional amendment, uh, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money that helps everybody, including yeah. members of Congress. They don't know it, but, uh, but, uh, but you know, our, do you know our interest just crossed $1 trillion? That's crazy. Interest crazy, in the national crazy, debt. Crazy. That's more than the defense that's, budget. Yeah, that's just insane, insane. But we can stop it. The, the, so the, the insane thing actually is to let it keep going. The same thing is to say, okay, we've got a constitutional amendment, which will take away that power. It'll eliminate inflation forever, as long as it's in force. It'll eliminate mm-hmm. borrowing. It gets rid of the Fed. It gets rid of central banks. We take care of so many problems. I think it's four lines. It's four sentences. <laughs> yeah, but that's how we do things around here. But anyway, um, so yeah, so yeah, so let's uh, let's 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 get into the critters. I have to mellow out again. Breathe, Greg. Think think pretty little <laughs> kitty cat in my lab. Wow. Okay, I feel better yeah. now. Hi, just, Tara. Just, yeah. And just hi. And so just think um, another thing that is nonpartisan are animals. Like they don't care what your political beliefs are. They just want an owner. So, you know, if you're thinking about getting a pet, you don't have to worry about they're not going to argue with you about politics. You can have your opinions, no problem. They're just going to love you. So if you're, you know, if you're thinking of getting a pet, that's an easy choice. You, it's not, it's well, basically, uh, you're just picking dog or cat if you come to our uh, shelter. Dog or cat, that's all you have to pick. So. 
The only exception would be a yellow dog Democrat, but that's an old joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know that one. So, but okay, yeah, just right, you know, dog or cat. It's very easy, or you can choose both. You know. So, but we have. Um, trying to think who we have in particular this week. We have. Um, gotten a lot of new kitties up we've got a lot of kitties actually they're in need of foster care so we'll, we'll kind of oh. mention that a little bit um we've got some kitties that came in with ringworm uh which is not a worm it's a fungus uh in case people didn't realize that oh, that's and, interesting yeah so how, it takes how, how a while to clear um well basically we we use a woods lamp so it's like you know looks like a psychedelic 70s black light that we're going over all the cats with and mm-hmm. if they have ringworm it's a fungus and it'll basically glow apple green is how we tell and if they do have that then we will do a culture to confirm it but you know if you usually see it like that it's pretty apparent um and we start treating them immediately for that we isolate them here at the shelter and it's it's not a huge deal but it can be contagious to other animals and to humans so that's why they're isolated and it takes about four to six weeks to clear so unfortunately the kittens are stuck here for that long taking up spots Right. Not getting socialized properly, so it's really tough on them because they're cute little kittens. They need to be playing and getting love, but they're here instead, so it's unfortunate. So we do take uh, fosters for ringworm kittens, but, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, no, I don't want to do that. I might catch it. Um, so just, But it's not nearly as bad as it sounds, so we just encourage people, mm-hmm. if they're interested in fostering, where they can really help, we, we always need ringworm fosters because, like I said, we are at, 20 plus kittens here that have it um, that have come in there's like three litters that came in with it so um, in order to treat them it's high you know it's easily treatable but it is something that takes a while to clear and it's kind of clogging up the space so we're having to not take in as many other animals for on the cat side because these guys are here with the space so um, if you're interested in fostering or anybody's interested in fostering our special meds and we provide everything we provide all the medical um, the medication we go over everything we provide food even if you need it so it's it's very simple you're just giving your time i was just thinking you probably get about seven cats per litter so three three litters would be 20 easily it could be 21 yeah you know, absolutely <laughs> so it, it goes wow. up yeah and we do have and we have single kittens that came in with it as well as mm-hmm. uh some litters so if you're interested in you just like i just want to foster one i don't want five kittens we can do one as well. So it's uh, it's definitely something that's treatable. The good thing also is if you're a foster, you get first dibs to adopt. So maybe you're thinking of adopting, but you're not you know, 100%. You can take this kitten home and love on it while he's getting treated. I mean, obviously, make sure you sanitize properly so you don't get ringworm. But you can take him home, and then if you're like, you know, kitten's not for me. Well, once this treatment is done, he can be put into adoption. You just helped him to go on his journey. Or if you fall in love, you get first opportunity to adopt. So it's a good way to participate and to support the shelter and help the animals for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've uh, I found a couple of friends that don't know about you guys yet, and I've uh, posted mm-hmm. your name. I've tagged you in a couple of uh, things, and they're both cats, which is kind of interesting. And so people still don't know about the shelter, which I find fascinating. How can they not? I mean, even if you didn't yeah. know where you were specifically, if people know that animal shelters exist, and yet I have a friend that's had a cat for a few months. I had another friend mm-hmm. that's had one for maybe several weeks. I don't know if you got a chance to reach out to them, but, uh, you know, we. Uh, I guess more outreach is still needed. Because I'm still seeing that you should be posting maybe on my page every week. Say here's what we're going to talk yeah. about. You know, somebody that, or, or on the or just post uh, uh, just to remind me because I get busy. I just three hour show, but you know, five days a week takes a, right. takes a bit of time, um, especially with the legislation and this new citizen legislation day coming up. But you can post on my post. We could even create you know the Action Radio Animals Group page or something like that. I don't mind. Oh, okay. We already got an environmental page. So we got, we got possibilities, but at least post 
the shelter every week and then maybe have a comment. Here's what we're going to talk about today. So they mm-hmm. like a preview for folks. So, so you want me to plan something in advance? Is that what you're saying? We don't have to because you know we're going to change no. it anyway. And it doesn't matter. That's, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is yeah. We're going to, yeah, to get people we, interested, absolutely. Yeah, because we want mm-hmm. people to, you know, we want to be, um, people to know that we're here, at, you know, v- you know, and that is has been a problem. I know it's particularly for the South End because, um, you know, we we have such a huge county, so people assume we should have a facility over in you know Gulf Breeze, Navarre, but we don't. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that maybe are looking to adopt will go to Paul's in Fort Walton, and you know that's okay too because you're still supporting a shelter. But if you want to support the shelter in your county, you know they have to come to Milton. So it is a long trick, but you know we are here, and you know we have animals available for adoption. We try to provide the services, but yeah, it is a large county, and people sometimes don't realize that we're way over here. So we do try to get the word out, but yes, obviously. It, it, as much as our county grows, it, people come in and they don't know. So we need to continue to kind of put that out there so they're aware that we're here. Well, there's one thing too. I don't know. Um, you know, I know you have a budget because we had the had the boss on not too long ago. But uh, mm-hmm. we can talk about this off the air. But if the animal shelter wants to sponsor, it doesn't take much to get on our sponsor list uh, for our flyer for Citizen Legislation Day. You know, if mm-hmm. you guys want to schedule an adoption at our event, that's fine with me. And then we get the Amazon okay, parking awesome. lot right there. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're in, you're in. <laughs> you know, when you're part of the crew, you're part of the crew. Uh, and we all do things for each other. That, that's how it is. We are extremely cooperative on um, yeah, Action that's, Radio. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, we love being a part of the community. Yeah, and we, we're excited uh-huh. to kind of talk to people and let them know we're here and, and mm-hmm. do what we can do on the animal end of just like, hey, here we are, you know. Because so, we, you know, we basically – we could not do any of the things that we do without the community support. We've been super, super lucky where, um, you know, the push, and that's another thing, citizens making a difference. The shelter was a very high-kill shelter, um, right. one of the highest in, I think, the top three in the state. And the citizens in our community pushed hard. It's like, we don't want this anymore. And they went to yeah. their county commissioner meetings, and they spoke their mind. They talked to politicians, and that that we're going to be, hey, we're going to be voting, and this is what we want from you. And this is basically part of the initiative that changed our shelter because when the citizens spoke up, they had to listen. You know, the staff can say what they want, but it's about what the community wants. And when the community pushed for the change, that's when it started happening, and we switched over to public safety, which allowed us to have a better budget, and it's really been a good upward swing since then. But, I mean, the initial push was from the citizens, so another kind of segue into your stuff, you know, getting involved does make a difference. Like people really need to realize that it makes a huge difference for small groups, for big groups, getting involved, you know, being supportive of your agenda. It really can make things change drastically. And for the shelter, it's a completely different thing than what it used to be. So we're really, we're really, we can't, we're not helping every animal that we want to because unfortunately there's so many that need help, but the ones that we were able to help are really getting a good chance now. And we have, you know, we're, Spaying and neutered, microchipping, vaccinating, doing all these programs that we didn't have to offer to the public before. So uh, it's it's really you know a lot better a lot better deal for the animals coming out of the shelter. So we're we're happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking too of some of the group, groups that help you want to help us. You know, sort of like transfer over. Um, again, you know, I'll, I'll go over the details off the air as to how it works exactly. But uh, you know, I'm the philosophy. You know, help me help you. So if you help mm-hmm. me or help Action Radio, you know, we've got potential worldwide coverage because we do have listeners worldwide. Um, we've got Larry, uh-huh. uh, Larry Downs Jr. who's going to do social media worldwide, you know, so that's available. That just, all that takes is sharing. Um, but like I say, I've already written C-SPAN, you know, and if they cover us, mm-hmm. that's huge. You know, Absolutely. Milton will be on the map. 
And if you guys are involved with Citizen Legislation Day directly, because I'll, I'll get you up on stage. We'll do an animal panel. You know, we mm-hmm. don't have a legislation necessarily, but, uh, you know, uh, I would certainly have you up there, you know, at some mm-hmm. point. And we don't know who's going to show up. I, I know Dr. Judy Mikevitz is going to be here, but who knows who she's going to bring because she knows everybody. <laughs> you think I know everybody? She knows <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah. Can, awesome. you imagine, can you imagine Ellen Dershowitz <laughs> if I could drag him out here? Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty about, impressive. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so enough about me. <laughs> I could talk about me all day. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> sorry. So for those that don't know, these, these conversations, folks, are not scripted. Uh, whatever, so, so if Tara plans to talk about something, it's probably only going to last like 30 seconds and we'll, we'll get on to something else. So, uh, so what's happening? Do you have, let's, let's go for events and yeah, then Twitter so and then so, weather yeah, so and then, right. yeah, so talking about events, so obviously uh, today we're actually closed in the shelter in honor of um, Veterans Day, and then we'll be closed tomorrow as well. Um, so we're going to be closed today and tomorrow, but we will still be out and about tomorrow in the county. We are actually going to be in Midway or Gulf Breeze tomorrow from 11 till 2. We'll be at Camping World. So we'll do, be doing an adoption event. So if you're wanting to adopt something and you're like, oh, the shelter's closed, ah, bummer. Come see us there. We're going to have some adult dogs and some puppies that are looking for homes. Probably won't bring any kittens because it's an outdoor event, so we want to be safety, you know, conscious. But um, we're going to have some adorable kit, uh, rather puppies, adorable puppies, and some adult dogs there, 11 till 2. So we're very excited about that. It's going to be our first partnership with them, and, and we're really excited to be on that side of the water. So people over in Gulf Breeze and Midway that maybe want to adopt something, they don't want to drive all the way out here, they can pop in and see us over there and kind of get an idea of what we, we have available at the shelter or maybe just fall in love with one of the ones that we bring. So we're excited about that. Um, next weekend we're going to be at Singletary Farms in Milton. They're having a holiday market event, and we're going to be there doing some adoptions from 10 till 2. So Great opportunity for folks to come out. Um, I believe it's a wedding venue event or a wedding venue there. It's a beautiful farm, and they're going to have all kinds of vendors there. So a great chance for people to go do some Christmas shopping and then stop by and see us, get some loving on some, some doggies or puppies and see if maybe you find a match. So we're excited about both of those things. And then, of course, in December, we'll have some dates for Petco and PetSmart, which are our monthly events. But uh, we've been doing really well with our outside adoption events, so we're trying to just continue with those. And and I did want to mention um, for Veterans Day, and this is not just for Veterans Day, but we have a program called Operation Forever Freedom. So if you're military, if you're active or a a military veteran, you just show your proof and we will waive the adoption fees for you. You can get um, two animals during the course of your time in in this area. You can adopt two animals. Uh, We waive those fees because that's our way of saying thank you for your service. So if you're looking to adopt, you know, just keep that in mind because just show you, you know, show that ID card and you're not going to have to pay the adoption fee, which is very low anyway, but that's just our little way of saying thank you and, you know, for your service. Hmm, interesting. Um, I was thinking as you were talking, especially since it is uh, uh, Veterans Day tomorrow, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll have a little chat probably later in the show about the fact that it's really Armistice Day, and we already have Memorial Day. Uh, it's interesting we have two holidays for, for veterans, for those that were that had fallen, uh, and then mm-hmm. those who had served, um, which is, Correct. Which is uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have a, we'll talk about holidays in a bit, but the, but the point is that this really is the end of World War One. Uh, this was the war to end all wars. Uh, this was a war that was trench warfare that was really horrible. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not that wars ever good. It's not, but I mean, these were unusually bad conditions, and millions of people died. And so, mm-hmm. we, you know, if you really want to study history, study World War One, because I think people forget. People think World War Two was the really big game changer. No, it really was World War One. 
And, and uh, you know, because that set the change between monarchies and aristocrats who, who ruled over the people. The peasants fought the wars and the aristocrats, you know, lorded over them and uh, drank tea and sent millions of people to their death and they didn't care. You know, it was a mm-hmm. very, and then the maps changed and everything changed. It was, a, it was a huge change. So it's really interesting to study World War I. Anyway, what I was thinking of as you were talking, um, do you ever get police or military dogs in the shelter and are there special considerations for them? Do, do people ever adopt a police dog and find that this dog sucks, you know, trained to, you know, uh, do what police dogs do, you know, especially on military dogs like Conan, the one that went after Alvin right. Cave. Do you ever get dogs like yeah, that? Yeah, so Highly we haven't dogs? gotten ex- that I'm aware of, we haven't got we haven't gotten them in. So what we have seen in the past, um, not recently, but probably in several years past, we've had dogs that were in programs possibly and didn't make the cut, and then you know end up here or something. And well, or someone tells you, it, you know, like <laughs> oh, it didn't sniff out the drugs or whatever, you know. But yeah. I don't know if these are ex- if this is accurate information or not because this is all kind of like secondhand, so we don't really know if it's true or not. But um, mm-hmm. we don't really see that. I think at least locally. They take care of their, you know, they, if they have, like, the police department. I, I believe, from my understanding, any of their dogs usually end up getting adopted by the officers or somebody that they know if they, you know, fell out of the program or if they retire out or something. So we don't really see that here. We have seen a couple dogs that were service dogs that, um, so different you know, different category, but a service mm-hmm. dog that maybe the owner passed away or something, and then we're trying to help place them. But that's been also a long time ago as well. Like probably in the last few years, I, I can't really say that we've had any unusual cases like that, um, which is good. But hopefully if these dogs are serving our country that we are, and I know that's not always the case, but hopefully they're given the opportunity to get adopted out if they're if they're safe, you know, to be handled. And well, I know I know there's, yeah, uh, you know, so, and I know there's asking. like, yeah, yeah it's it, it's one of those things depends on what they're trained for. But if they're trained, they're going to be, you know, obviously a German Shepherd or a Belgian Malinois that's not trained can be a very scary thing. But if they're trained, then, yes, they have the potential to do some damage. But if they're trained, they're going to not do that because they're properly trained. And and another another dog that kind of get off, off topic, but another dog that we're seeing a lot of now is the Corsos. And those and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I hope these people are week. training. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just seeing them everywhere, and I just really hope people are training their dogs because these dogs are massive. So, so let's let's talk about those again. What what is it? Where do they come from? What were they trained um, for? What so technically, it's, I believe, yeah. and I hope I have this right because sometimes, like you know, all the dogs meld together in my mind. I believe it's mm-hmm. a Brazilian mastiff is the actual mastiff connection there, and it's called a cane corso or a connie corso. Everybody kind of says it their own way. And um, they are these big, strong, massive, and so they're like an English mastiff, but they're more muscular. Um, They're just like these big, scary, they're scary-looking dogs. Like, they're humongous. They're beautiful, and they have the kind of the wrinkly skin of the English mastiff, but they're just these big, huge powerhouse dogs. And they can, you know, they're... They're strong, big, massive dogs, so a lot of people, they're very, very popular right now. Not to say they're bad dogs, but, you know, you have to socialize, and these are naturally dogs that are going to be protective of their people, and so you must socialize them. If you don't, you're just asking for trouble. So we're not seeing so many yet in the shelter, but we are Mm -hmm. seeing them in the community in the past year, year and a half, so I feel like... In another year to two years, we're going to see a lot of them coming into the shelter. The same with the doodle breeds. Those are kind of, you know. And so when we see that those trends, we just start to pay attention because we know, okay, this is coming up. Just like when we get a popular movie, you know, we start seeing those particular dogs a lot. So we were very happy to report 
after the last, the Cruella de Vil movie, um, we did not see an uptake of Dalmatians, which we were happy about. Hopefully they didn't go to a, you know, inappropriate place, well, but fire station, we didn't see a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't know if any like of our stations have, yeah, I don't yeah. even know if any of them have Dalmatians anymore, but they have Dalmatians? they're very cool. I don't see them, in, you know, I think uh, you there might be do some something. somewhere. No, we need to get Dalmatians, and if you get one, we need to go to fire stations. I mean, I'll go with you. I mean, this will be fun. Yeah, like so, you should and, have asked you should ask. Well, now aren't Dalmatians? Aren't they, uh, they? They like crave human attention or attention. You can't leave a Dalmatian alone because they're, they're, really, they're very stubborn that's and what I've heard. like they're not for they're not for the 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 novice uh, dog adopter. You know, they're a little more. I would call them a little more of a you know a more advanced owner because they can be very stubborn. They can, but they're they're awesome <laughs> dogs. I actually had a Dalmatian years ago. But you, yeah, they're they're um you know I wouldn't if you're this is your first dog I wouldn't get a Dalmatian for your first dog. I would go with something boobies. a little a little easier to I train. So. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're awesome and they're beautiful and but you know dogs like that and then of course when we had different. You know, German Shepherds were very popular for a time, and it, it just depends on whatever the movie is. With Game of Thrones, we were seeing a lot more Huskies, you know, um, okay. and those were popular. And obviously, they're not direwolves, so it, you know, they don't really even look the same. I mean, a little bit, I guess, but but people started getting Huskies because they're like, oh, Huskies. Um, again, another breed that you really should do your research on. They're great yeah. dogs, but. They're going to escape. They're going to run. That's just what they do. So you have to be prepared I mean, for, for that and make sure. Yeah, I, I, they will I, I, go. Huskies are ready to run go. for you know all day. They do the Iditarod. You know, folks. If anybody knows, it's a 120 mile dog dog sled race, and they do yeah. it over what? So they're not going to be happy with just a stroll around the block. If you want a lazier no. dog, which is perfectly fine, you know, like get something else. Like research, research, research. Unless you're going to get a mutt, then you just don't know. So, you know, you come to the shelter and go, hey, this is what I like in a dog. Then we can tell you this dog is calm. This dog loves, you know, we can kind of tell you more about their behavior that we see at the shelter and try to match you up. So, because we want it to be a good fit for everybody. It does no good to send a dog out and the, you know, the the owner hates the dog. Is like, oh, I hate running and the dog wants to run all the time. Well, that's not going to be a good experience for either of you so we try to make a love match so guess when they'll yap at you you'll be fine no i saw a couple of huskies uh on the bike trail a while back uh, not so long ago and mm-hmm. it was cold it was first thing in the morning and i don't know what i was doing riding at 50 degrees but i was and <laughs> like really happy it was like this is great oh yeah it's tropical for us you know so they're like Woo-hoo. and we can see that in the shelter as well um yeah. because it's so hot in the summertime so when fall gets here our dogs get a little rowdy and they'll just get sassy and you you, you see a lot more activity the dogs are very happy when fall hits and um i you know i like to see that because they just it's like falls in the air the dogs are just kind of you know, jumping up and and, and active because actually in the summer it's just so dreadfully hot here. They're just like yep. miserable. Like literally, dog days of summer is no joke. They're just like, oh, this is awful. But when the fall hits and we get the cool weather, you definitely see a little perp, you know, a little little pep in their step here at the shelter. So, well, what's the ideal temperature? I mean, I know you can't generalize because every dog is different. I mean, Chihuahua is probably like Mexican heat and Rhodesian mm-hmm. ridge, Ridgebacks like you know African heat, but. Uh, for your basic dog, where were they happy? 70 degrees, 60 degrees? Where, I mean, for, where, where I think for the basic dog, between 70 and 80, and then nighttime, they can, you know, like, if they're outdoors, 
what we do here at the shelter is if it goes under 50 degrees, we close them in at night. Um, okay. If it, and some dogs are going to be like, oh, 45 feels good if they have a big coat. It depends, <laughs> like you said, it depends on the breed of the dog. But And Not obviously other dogs, some dogs like <laughs> love the snow, you know, but other dogs are going to be, clearly a chihuahua doesn't need to be outside in 50 degree weather because they're going to nope. shiver. They probably shiver anyway. So, you know, those guys should be indoors with any temperature changes. But for your average, like a lab or something, you know, they're probably safe to be in, in outside, you know, hanging out, running around 50 degrees. But is what we do is we bring them in under 50 degrees. So it's if it gets – and it's still not freezing, but it's still pretty chilly. So we wouldn't want to be outside. Or Floridians probably wouldn't want to be outside in 50-degree weather without a coat. So we just kind of assume the same for the dogs. So, But um, the main thing is when it gets freezing cold, please bring your dogs in. Even if they're not an indoor dog, make arrangements because, you know, 32 degrees can get – it's, you don't want to yeah, sit out there by yourself all night. If you I mean, some want, people would, but not me. I mean, that's, yeah, no. Exactly. Yeah, so bring your dog in. Put him in the garage or put him in the laundry room. He, you know, you don't have to make him an indoor dog, although we wish that the dogs would be allowed to be inside all the time, but we know we can't govern that. So we're just basically saying, do, you know, prepare for their safety. Bring them in on the cold nights and just right. make arrangements. And if you have a cat that's outdoors, you can make, a, they're called feral dens. You can take an old cooler and huh. put some things in there and where they have cut out a little hole so they're able to get out of the elements and you don't have to bring the cat indoors because maybe it's a wild cat and all you do is feed it. You can still provide some care and a place for them to stay warm without having to bring them indoors because, you know, if it's a wild cat, they're not coming to you anyway, but you can still provide that safety and that, that warmth for them over the winter time. Makes sense. Um, we've only got. I'm sure Derek's going to join us in a second. But uh, my one more question on, on uh, mm-hmm. like police and military dogs. If you gave a command say, by accident, you know, kill, you know, whatever Yikes. the code word yeah. was, you know, like uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, there was a Colombo episode where the code word was Rosebud, <laughs> you know, oh, which God. is what uh, what uh, uh, who was it? Um, Kane, uh, you know, Citizen Kane, Orson Welles said that was that was. Well, I won't give it away. I don't want to give away Citizen Kane, but anyway, the code word was Rosebud, and so it's a common word you might hear. You know, who knows where? So, so what if someone has a police or military dog, and the and the, and the code word for attack is like I don't know, chicken. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you want some chicken, honey? Ah. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh, and then the order's like, command. sorry, I guess I should have made that a little harder word, you know. Yeah, yeah, you gotta got to re, recode them. All right, let's get the uh, information. Let's get your contact information. And like I say, Derek will probably be here in a second. Okay, so we're at Santa Rosa County Animal Services, 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. Our website, santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. And you can also catch us on Instagram and Facebook. Well, sounds good. Well, let's chat for a bit until he gets here. Uh, anything okay. else we haven't covered? <laughs> but I like to get that in just to make sure, because when he does come in, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hit the theme and away we go. Uh, fall weather. Uh, it's going to be changing pretty soon here. I, I guess we pretty much talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. What are breeds that really don't like the heat that, that probably would be better inside or only going out during the heat of the day? Going out oh, the heat? Yeah. Um, well, as far as the weather, like when it gets colder, um, heat, obviously any dogs, like, and it's funny because some of the dogs have the double coat, so they actually, people say, oh. oh, I should shave this dog, and you're actually doing them a disservice because then they can't regulate their own temperature. So, And I, I couldn't tell you exactly which breeds, but I know, like, Huskies are one, and I want to say Chows as well. So even though they have these thick coats, and a lot of the owners are like, oh, it's summertime, I'm going to shave them, he's actually probably going to get hotter with that shorter coat because that coat that he had was an insulation, so he's keeping him safe 
from the heat as well, even though it's a thick coat. So always check with your groomer about what kind of dog you have before you make any major coat changes because there's probably a reason that dog has that coat. So make sure you're not, you know, making him more difficult to regulate his temperature by shaving him down. So, yeah. And that's something that people wouldn't think. You would just oh, think, oh, uh, he needs shorter hair. But check with your yeah. groomer and your vet on those things. I want to talk more about that next week because that's interesting because okay. animals have fur. I mean, bears have thick fur, and they do fine in the summer. Okay, so there's a reason Absolutely. fur. I used to, mm-hmm. I used to work in, in a hot climate in California, and Derek, I'll get worth in just a second, and all the guys would shave their heads, and they'd be hotter than me with lots of hair. It's like, guys, yeah. I mean, hair keeps you, you cooler. You don't understand. It insulates. It, you know, keeps the sweat in and, uh, you know, actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cools your head. And so, so the bald guys were a lot hotter. Their sweat's pouring off. And how do you do it with all that hair? It's easy. I'm cooler than you. And you look at them, and mm-hmm. I'd be noticeably cooler. It was hysterical. Anyway, let's talk about more about that because coats are very interesting, you know, in terms of insulation. You know, more hair mm-hmm. does, not mean, uh, does not mean you're going to get hotter. It actually might cool you. Uh, and in the Absolutely. wintertime, the, the double coat, I've never heard about that. Let's, let's talk more about that. So, so if you could make a note, please. Let's do that next week. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, thanks, Tara. This was fun. All right. Thanks. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. So I just want to give a cheer for Derek, who's one of our uh, sponsors uh, of our Citizen Legislation Day, with that that glowing, distinguished picture. I had no idea you look so distinguished, because I I usually see you on a boat somewhere, (laughs) because of the things that you post in the summertime. But uh, yeah, you clean up okay. That's what you get get with access to the Facebook page. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. Well, actually, our our clandestine graphic artist kind of borrowed a picture, but I'm glad it worked out okay. Well, like I say, we're a big happy family, so, you know, if you've got to squabble, let them know. But first of all, I want to thank you yep. uh, publicly for, for helping us. And uh, um, we need more yep. economics folks. So if you have economic friends you want to bring, let me know, because we have some major issues to talk about. Yeah. You excited? I'm excited. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. You know, well, I, mean, I, 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 I invited C-SPAN. What, what's that? I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I, I just take it one day at a time. You know, I'm not, okay. a, not, a, not a person that... Yeah, I mean, I get excited when I'm taking a trip or something like that. But any other time, I'm just kind of like, yeah, all right, it's another day. <laughs> okay, so wait till Donald Trump shows up and I introduce you. Will, will you get excited then? Yeah, I mean, I I would. I mean, I I'm <laughs> not trying to make people. I'm not trying I'm to make people you. mad, you know, or anything no, like I'm that. But you. any president yeah. in the United States, for that matter, uh, past or present, if they showed up as a military person. I can't tell you the utmost respect I have for the position and, and what they've either achieved or not achieved, but um, I still find it intriguing to take an opportunity to, to meet the president, even the current one, I would say. While I'm not pleased with the performance, uh, that doesn't negate the fact that, um, you know, I swore an oath to support that position. So, 
Hmm. Someday I'll have to talk about my uh, my position on Commander in Chief is not automatic, but we'll we'll, we'll save that chat for another day. But uh, this is but this is going to be fascinating. I mean, the folks that are coming out for Citizen Legislation yeah. Day uh, and the different things. Like I say, I've already written C-SPAN. I hope to get them covering it. We've got full social media coverage. My friend Larry Downs Jr. is going to cover the entire thing. It's going to be available to people. Um, we've got a couple of legislators who I'm not going to announce yet until I talk to them. Uh, a state legislator is going to be there. Hopefully, we'll get some more. Uh, so this is growing. This mm-hmm. is we're going to get more guests, and then I'm going to talk to the, the BBC next week because uh, we have a lot of listeners in the UK. That's our greatest uh, audience. You'd think it'd be Canada, but no, it's not. Uh, it's um, it's the UK is our biggest listenership outside the United States, and so uh, this this is going to we're going to be huge. It's just a matter of time. We just got to break through the censorship. Anyway, the the most important thing I that I noticed this week, I heard it announced on uh, Steve Bannon on the War Room, who's really big on the national debt. Even though I've sent him our constitutional amendment, I don't know how much time. And I just can't get through. The minions, you know, are blocking it. But did I hear this correctly? One trillion dollars in interest on the national debt this year. Is that true? Ooh. Um, uh, Putting you on the spot. Sorry. Maybe it's, <laughs> that's maybe. what I heard. Well, so so that's that's that, that could be a little bit of a skewed number, but um, okay. Well, what would cause it to uh, to change? I mean, what the parameters. It, if you assumed every bit of the U.S. debt was at the current interest rate, yes, that would be true. It would be like $1.6.5 trillion at the okay. current debt. If you, if you just assumed all the debt that we had has a 5% interest rate, which is – let me tell you why it's not skewed, right, or why okay. it is skewed, right? Um, those bonds, they're at 5%. They've only mm-hmm. been selling for the past you know, six months. You know, before okay. that, there was bonds at 4%. Before that, there was bonds at 3 Before that, there were bonds at 2 right? So I, mean, I don't know what the average is based on the weighting of how much are out there. Then you mm-hmm. start layering in credit card debt, right? Then you start layering in mortgage debt. So well, credit card debt is not part of the, the government debt, though. Credit card debt separate, though, isn't it? Are you talking about total consumer debt it's, as well? No, no, it's, that's, that's all. When you, when you talk about national debt, that's, that's wrapped up. That's one number. Oh really? That's, that's oh, I like, thought the national a, debt was. Uh, this is good to know then. So I thought the national debt was just what the government has borrowed, the government debt. No, that's not true. No, no, no. Hold on. Oh. Let me. Let me. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go double check national debt. Like, <laughs> okay. well, this is. And, and, and folks, uh, just to let you know, I do not uh, pre-give uh, Derek the questions because I don't know what I'm gonna ask him until he, <laughs> his line pops up on the show. So th- none of this is pre-read. This is why. You know, a lot of folks, this is why we look up so much on the show, simply because the questions that we have are totally spontaneous. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, Pianchi says, no, it's not credit card debt. I didn't think so. Pianchi also says that the national debt uh, yeah, it is, is not supposed so, to. So here, it, 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 it is. So here, it, yeah. it, and I, I thought I was right with this, but I just had to go check. No, the I, the I, I $33 trillion gross federal debt equals right. debt held by the public plus debt held by the federal trust funds and other government accounts. So it is public oh. debt. It is it is our debt. Yeah, and and I was I was pretty sure of that, but I wanted to go double check before I I looked foolish, but yes. No, you don't look um, foolish. I mean, so, listen, we're wrong all the time. Yeah. We correct it. This is what corrections are for. So, not knowing something is never a problem. And this is why we look things up, you know, cuz we don't know. And nobody yeah. can keep all that information in their head. I don't expect that. That's right. Um Yes. But here's the question, though. So then how much is the government debt? How much has the government borrowed? Um, I'd have, there's a the, pie what's chart that called? Uh, oh. that I've seen. Hold on a second. That shows here. Here we go. What is – okay, here we go. 
international. This is uh, Federal Reserve, domestic, private investors. Um, if you break it down, where does the government, only the government's portion of it, owe money to? Um, this is not uh, – in 18 um, – oh, this is old. I don't want to look at that. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the date on it. Like, no. As in 1800? Yeah, that's old. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was 2018. Oh, okay. Okay, you have me worried for a minute um, there. <laughs> well, even percentage-wise, um, it'd be interesting. We can figure it out from the current amount of debt. But see, now this is this is something I didn't know. So this is good for us. Oh, here, to know. here's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, twenty-two percent is uh, intra-government debt. This is of of December, uh, December thirty-first, twenty twenty-two. Um, sponsored by the Peterson Foundation. I'm not sure what that is, but anyway, um, hmm. um, you know, I found a pie chart that uh, uh, intra-government debt is 22%. Debt held by the public, 78%. So debt held by the public that includes treasury bonds, bills, and things like that. That's still a result of government borrowing, though, isn't it? Um, so public debt is going to be any any debt against borrowing. So um, right. not not. You know them holding bonds or anything like that, but it's going to be credit cards, it's going to be loans, personal loans, car loans. That's that's consumer any, debt. That's any, not the national debt. See, I I got a totally different concept. When so we talk debt about held national, by the public, right? Is 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 that's referring to the people, the people of the country. So the government owes the people thirty-two trillion dollars. No, so that, but it doesn't make sense. No, that's okay, just no. that's that's our country, our country that's running ourselves into debt because it, it's okay. The government does have a spending problem, and everybody wants to point the finger too. But if you look at um, there's a chart that shows where credit card debt is. Credit card debt debt is like double from the highest that it's ever been. Double that number. Oh yeah, because people are using credit cards to pay grocery bills because inflation's too high. Yeah, and that's that's going to come crashing down. I mean, what's the default rate on credit cards these days? Just out of curiosity, it's, it's got to be really high as well. Um, yeah, it's like like twenty percent. I mean, oh, I've got a I've got pristine yeah I've got pristine credit, and I'll tell you like if you're if you're okay, there's there's certain credit there's certain credit unions um, mm -hmm. or federal credit unions that will run special rates and stuff like that. So I'll even mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll uh um. I'll even say like USAA, like USAA, my credit card with them is like 15%, but all my other, my other credit cards that, um, you know, I use for points and stuff like that, 20.99 mm -hmm. and I've got pristine oh. credit. Man. Wow. Yeah, so. Well, so, so no, but that's the same 20.99 for anybody with a new account until they screw up and then they go like 24, 25, whatever it is, you know, they start to, yeah. this is, uh, okay. So where does loan sharking begin? <laughs> just, just, just for comparison. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at here's another chart that says one fifth of the national debt um is is government debt. The other uh is holdings of public debt. Um but this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because they yeah. borrowed seven trillion for COVID, five trillion six trillion for Afghanistan. That's a that's what a, you know, some, that's thirteen trillion right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and they borrowed two trillion for uh uh, something else for stimulus, which was our inflation reduction. Now we're 15 trillion, you know, and they borrowed most of this just in the last few years. That doesn't make Actually, any sense. I'll tell you, seven... Go ahead. I'll tell you something that's even more concerning. So, uh, you know, current oh, administration thanks. said nobody, nobody in, 
Yeah. Nobody uh, making below 400000 would see a tax increase, right? Current oh, administration said that. So Inflation Reduction Act included an average across the board of tax increases up to almost 3%. I think it was like 2.8 was the average. Now, um, if you look at the tax charts for 2024, there has mm-hmm. been updates uh, to all of the uh, all of the uh, uh, the layers in them. You know what I mean? The right. um, you know the the, the brackets, right? Uh, okay. The brackets, uh, the the center bracket, which was the the most that kind of captured everybody, went from somewhere like um, somewhere like eighty thousand to um, eighty thousand to one hundred and seventy seven thousand. Right, that was twenty two percent. Right, twenty two percent tax bracket. Now, anything over a hundred grand is twenty four percent. So across the board, because they expanded these brackets and they and they up the rate, there is roughly in twenty twenty four the IRS or they're blaming the IRS, but you know, I mean, uh, no, it's actually about I think it's a five point four percent. Uh, 5.4% increase in taxes. So we've seen under the under the current administration an 8% increase in taxes since since we've since we've uh, started the presidency. Well, I, I would debate that for the presidency, but well, that's another that's another show. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. Let me get Pianchi on the line. He's got some t- statistics for us too. Let's uh, let's add them into the mix, and then we'll get the report. Pianchi, what you, what you got? You got uh, six hundred seventy-nine billion, or what's that? Personal what debt is twenty-five trillion. Personal debt. That's just that's just uh, what people own on household businesses. It's not the the federal debt included. So what's the government debt? That's what we're trying to establish here. U.S. national debt right now is thirty three trillion, thirty three point right. seven trillion. But, uh, but as we were talking about before, Derek has a pie chart. Derek, can you post that chart to our radio economics page this, so I can take a look I at it? It's only it's it's uh it's about the Federal Reserve. It's the U.S. total debt. It's a debt clock. Yeah, I know, now, but, the but on the, the debt, the interest on the debt is two hundred seventy-nine point eight billion. Right. I want Derek six, to identify what it, who 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 collects that interest. Yeah, six hundred seventy-nine point eight billion is what he said. I want to make sure people got the full number in there. It sounded like point eight billion. <laughs> I want to make sure it was six hundred seventy-nine. So basically, six hundred and eighty billion dollars of of interest is the on interest the on the debt. And by so who's paying that? That will. By 2027, that will eclipse a trillion dollars interest. See, I heard it was it was doing that now, but again, that's Steve Bannon. That's why I asked the question. Can you can you help us find our way through this? I'm I'm looking at it right now. Let's see here. Okay. I'm all I'm right. I'm sitting here. It's this is this is you know I mean it's all it's all stuff. I mean if we wanted to talk national debt, you know you gave give me some time to prepare for it. I could really dissect. Oh, the I'm thing sorry. And, Make a note for next yeah. week. You know, I mean, you don't have to do it now. I'm just like I say, a lot of these things are spontaneous, um, and so I wish I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to, you know, because I I, I, I probably could or should keep notes on everybody's report, um, but to the way things go, because the show changes so radically, I don't create the show until the night before, because things happen so fast. Like for example, in the next hour, um, John Delmonico uh, and Kenny Pettigrew are doing a joint report on uh, on the case before the Supreme Court, the the, um, the restraining order case. And they only told me that told me about that yesterday. <laughs> it was like, okay, yeah. no problem. So, so, so things happen here very, very spontaneously. So, I, I'm, I'm having to react now. I can put it down for next week. So let's let's let me let me actually do that. So next week is the 17th. Let's write down Derek 
national debt breakdown. How's that? Does that sound good? Yep. Hold on. Yeah, if you, go to, you. if you go to U.S. Debt Clock, which is published by the Federal Reserve, it breaks it down in, in all sorts of different ways. The largest yeah, I've got that thing on my, is on my the unfunded, unfunded liabilities. That's something that Ooh. this country is never going to pay. Do you want to address those real quick, Derek, and then let's get the report, and we'll be out of time here in about. I don't know what minutes. unfunded liabilities are. I'd have to, I'd have to look or, or reach and, and research. That's so liability would be like eleven point well, four trillion dollars. I didn't hear anything either, but anybody just okay. said sorry. Okay, Pianchi, go ahead. Yeah, two hundred eleven point four trillion unfunded liability, which include Medicaid. Medicare, Social Security, and other pensions, like for government pensions. Yeah. So well, everything I, 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 keep, I keep finding here, so what, what I see, the $33 trillion is not just government debt. It, it, is, mm-hmm. it encompasses the debt held by the public is all the federal debt held by individuals, corporations, state and local governments, Federal Reserve Bank, foreign governments, and other entities outside the United States, government-less financial spending bank – or excuse me, federal financing bank securities – and this hmm. is this is actually from the Treasury Direct. That's that's okay. so so you know from their website, the national debt. Um, only one fifth of that is government spending. The rest of it is held by the people and and businesses of the United States. So, so my question do, on that is, how would they yeah, know? Ahead. How do how do they know what I just went to uh, went to Home Depot about? But they wouldn't know. Well, that's oh, that's, that's that's not if if you went to Home Depot and bought, that's not necessarily debt. Did you use a credit card, or you, do you pay your credit cards off? If How would I they know? Yeah, I will I will scare you here right now. Like so, everybody and and everybody that can hear me, you can go on ssa.gov social security right and you can create your own account i challenge everybody to go create your own account and go see what they have track of it will scare the ever-loving daylights out of you like, oh yeah i am telling you i am telling you down to a dang penny man they have everything stuff that you would not even believe and i'm not going to go into it because it starts getting very specific for people and that right. people's private information so what I would say is I challenge you to go on to SSA.gov and go look mm-hmm. at their accounting process, which they have to show to you by law, right? Mm-hmm. And go look at what they have access to and come back and talk to me, Pianchi. <laughs> like, I, then you're going to know. You know what I mean? It'll answer your question. So they have down to a penny. You have to understand what our tax system is. When you file your taxes, all you're doing is agreeing really with what they already have or getting mm-hmm. close to it. And they're like, yeah, you kind of got it. You know what I mean? Like even if you're off a little bit, they're probably not going to come after you. It's those big discrepancies that they're looking for, right? You know, people that aren't paying where they need to be paying or people that are lying. I mean, I can tell you an instance where somebody I know used uh, – they, they, they are a real estate mogul, and they sell houses. And they honestly forgot to list one of the houses that they sold on there. <laughs> Buddy, you did not want to see that tax bill. Took them, took them oh, two boy. years. This is from 2021. 2021, right. this thing just come back to haunt him. 
And, I mean, you know, obviously he, he admitted fault. It was his fault. He does his own taxes. He should have had somebody look at it. You know, he, you know, but, uh, you know, of course I had to, had to kind of help him in that endeavor. But the bottom line is, is like the IRS will get you, man. I'm telling you, unless you're really, really, really good, which some people are, you know, like, and, and go on there. How do they know? But you Everything know Everything that is tied to your Social Security number is tracked. Everything. I've got my statement from Social Security, so I, I know what's on it. It's like they, I think they had like my summer job at 16. <laughs> he was there because yeah, because I mean because yeah. they reported yeah. income. Yeah, it's hysterical. But uh, yeah, but here's the but but oh, what was I going to ask you about? Oh no, I've forgotten it. But uh, the the idea of um, of people having to file a return to prove what the IRS already knows. So what the re- this is not really mm-hmm. a tax return. This is really a tax compliance document. You know, in other That's words, exactly if, you, if they already yeah. know. So, so what I'm thinking is, because we have a bill here that would, would uh, say that there's no income withholding during the time you're earning your, social, your uh, standard deduction. So most people mm-hmm. get a refund on their standard deduction, right? Uh, and that's yeah. money that's yeah. collected. The government keeps it for a year and then gives it back to you next year. Well, if we get rid yeah. of that, if you just don't take money until people have earned their standard deduction, you know, that's the only amount right. that's going to be taxed. Most people really wouldn't have to file a tax return if all they're making is income. You know, from one job or yep. two jobs, because that, all, all that's reported, the, right? So all of that is lobbying, right? So you're talking about these oh. people, the corporations that own TurboTax, H&R Block, all these people like that, right? There have been mm-hmm. people that have filed bills at, at Congress that have said, you know, what the hell is the point in us, um, you know, sending the tax return when the IRS already knows, right? Exactly. So everybody that doesn't doesn't have a complex tax return, i.e., mm-hmm. you know, your standard W-2 employees just throwing in a 401k, who cares if you got a few investments, all that stuff is tracked, right? right as long right. as it's not businesses where you're itemizing and things like that, why the heck are you even having to file a tax return? It's ridiculous, right? I, so, I see a bill for us. Yeah, your Social yeah. Security card. Right. Well, you, you know, so so every year, all of those, uh, you know, those those TurboTax people, and I, I don't know the big corporations that own them. You know, they come yeah. in, they come, you know, poking poking, you know, the, the the Senate and the House, lining some people's pockets, and you know, doing those backdoor shady deals. And guess what? That bill never goes anywhere. Is that much money in if tax somebody, returns? Uh, I never I never understood. That's that's crazy. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. If an illegal is using your social security number, he's going to have wages on it that you personally never does. What was that now? If an illegal is using your social security number, well, those taxes is going to show up. But you, that wasn't you who was working at that job. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that probably happens. I mean, there's going to be... There's going to be some discrepancies, and you know now in the digital age, that's something easier than easier proved now. You know, what I mean, um, um, golly, I mean, you guys are old enough to know that if you had a problem on your credit report, you know, I'd even go as far as ten years ago. Um, yeah. Ten years ago, probably let's say maybe twelve to thirteen. That's probably a better number. But twelve to thirteen years ago, everything was in writing. You had to you had to get copies of everything. You had to mail it yep. in. You know, I mean, like, it, it was a, just a big pain in the keister. The same thing, I mean, the IRS still works like that, partially. You know uh-huh. what I mean? But, um, you know, it's it's still, yeah, I mean, it, it, it happens. I mean, I've had it happen with some of my clients. Um, you know, I've had people breach. I mean, I've had people want to blame the company that I work with. And when we tracked it down, it actually was uh, one of their credit cards or one of their banks. Interesting. 
I just added yeah. that uh, the idea of, of a bill to uh, to eliminate uh, tax returns for people if they only have employee income. Um, by the way, that's number 185 of bills that I want to write. It's my 185th idea. Just to show you how far back we are and how much work we have to do at Action Radio, 185 bills. Okay, and the ones we have are earth shattering to begin with. Like I can I can pull out ten bills that are earth shattering. I've got 185 more just to let you know. Mm-hmm. Let's go report it. Otherwise, we're going to forget it completely. This has been a great half hour so far. Yeah, Derek, if you please. Yeah. Well, cool. I will. Uh, I will get started here. Well, this is uh, Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks finished lower on Thursday in response to higher yields. Again, stocks finished lower on Thursday, snapping seven consecutive days of gains for the S&P 500. Small cap stocks underperformed, declining over 1% for the second day in a row. Much of today's lower move followed by the U.S. 30-year Treasury bond auction that received softer demand than expected, resulting in a spike in long-term yields. The 10-year Treasury yield rose above 4.6%, while the 30-year rose over 4.75%. Additional commentary from the Fed reiterated that policy rates may have to stay higher for longer to sustain lower inflation to the 2% Fed target, which further put, I'm sorry, move, put upward pressure on yields. Overseas, Asian markets were mixed following China's China's October inflation report, while European markets closed mostly higher. On the corporate front, Disney reported after the market closed yesterday with earnings per share that were 15% above consensus expectations, which helped lift shares higher by 6% today. The U.S. initial jobs jobless claims for the past week roughly came in line with expectations at 217,000. In the commodity space, oil prices stabilized, finishing just below $76 a barrel after selling wow. off sharply. Hold on, this thing just did the. Let me. Sorry, after I said selling wow. off sharply. My yeah, um, to begin the week. <laughs> um, here. U.S. equities closed lower today with the Dow Jones down 220 points or 0.65% to 33,892. NASDAQ closed down 129 points or 0.94 to 13,521. And the S&P 500 closed down 35 points or 0.81 to 43,47. Again, in the uh, commodity markets, price of crude oil was up 24 cents or 0.32 to 75.57 a barrel. And the spot price of gold was up five dollars and forty cents, or point two eight to nineteen sixty three and twenty cents. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. You can get me at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. Wow, the ones I watch the, probably the most closely is the oil price um, because it mm-hmm. is uh, it is fascinating to me that we're under two we're under three dollars a gallon here. Now, about mm-hmm. the rest of the country, California is what six or seven because they're stupid. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me, you know, and, and Derek, cause I know we have, I mean, economics is complex. We only have half an hour wait to do this. Um, uh, and, and I do ask you questions and I apologize for this, that, uh, you know, it kind of puts you on the spot. I don't, I don't mean to do that. It's just, that's what pops yeah. in my head. So here's what I want to do though. If you ever have a topic that you want to talk about, and this is your report, you can just tell me, Hey, Greg, yeah. I've researched this. This is what I want to talk about. You get, you get priority. Okay, so this so it's so feel free to do that, and this goes for anybody that does a reporting. I got Candy and John listening out too for the for the next hour. But if you want to talk about something, you know, I do things because I live entirely ADHD spontaneity. 
I mean, that, that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm able to do this. I got one hand on the keyboard. I got another hand on the mouse. I'm talking at the same time. I'm doing all these things all at once. I'm, I'm planning audio clips and uh, looking for applause. I mean, you, you just doing this show is like watching somebody play an organ with both feet and both hands going. <laughs> it's really – and singing. <laughs> that, that's kind of what it's like to do this show because I don't have a producer yet, and I'm working on that. Right. Uh, probably after uh, Citizen Legislation Day. But uh, you're free because this is such a wide open topic. It's the only economic report we have. And there's tremendous freedom, I think, to be able to bring up things that because, you know, I'm the boss and, and I'm really easy to work with. <laughs> what do you want to do? You know, I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, if I could have been my own boss throughout radio and throughout every other job I've had, I'd probably still have those early jobs. But, you know, anyway, um, what's going on with mm-hmm. oil? Let's, let's, let's sort of end with that and then I'll bring on. We have a very, in fact, you're welcome to stick around if you can, but usually can't. Very special gun report. Candy Petticord and John uh, Delmonico are combining forces today. Uh, and we've got we've got the whole rest of the show, so they got two hours if they wanted. Although Candy sometimes has to leave a little earlier. Um, oil. What's going on with oil? I heard cutbacks from Saudi I, I Arabia and Russia. What, what what's, what's, I literally what's, what's, what's have the... not seen anything. Okay. I, I couldn't oh. tell you. Like, and I I watched the news. I mean, I watched the the investment news pretty much all day, um, and I didn't oh. see anything on why. Um. um you know, oil is going backwards. I mean, it's good news. I'm not complaining, but you know me, I, I have to know because this does intrinsically, if inflation is anywhere from three to five or whatever it is percent and the price of oil is dropping while Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. Russia are cutting back production and we're not increasing production, something's going on here. I mean, is the recession that right. bad that nobody's driving and we literally have too much supply, not because we're not producing it, but because we're not using it. The demand is down. That's the only thing I can think of. Right. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I would say demand might be down. I would say that maybe um, uh, supply has been increased. I mean, there is so many things. From where? Uh, where, where would it come from? I, where I, are we drilling? OPEC. I mean, I'm, I'm not accusing. I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, I said, where would. Oh, I, yeah, I'm yeah. Just asking, no, I, I didn't yeah. take it that way. I got it. Okay, yeah. good. Let me make sure. Where's it coming from? Where's the oil coming from? Uh, there's two places it can come from, demand or supply. So if the demand is down, we're going to have more oil. If the supply increases, we're going to have more oil. If the refinery right. capacity increases, right. we're going to have more oil. But something's different that we're getting less – we're getting under $3 a gallon at a time mm-hmm. when we have inflation, a completely screwed up economy, and a completely uh, ruined oil production capacity uh, from an illegal president, my words, you know, sitting in the White House, as well as uh, – I call him Brandon Obama. <laughs> That's his new name, <laughs> President Brandon <laughs> Obama, you know. Uh, but that, but, well, but so it, I'm going I'm to make uh, Candy and John sign live, see if they have a question for you too. But I don't, I can't figure I this would, out. I would tell you this. I would tell you this. So, mm-hmm. um, I, and I said this before on here. Election cycle is going to begin next year, right? Right. Um, there's there's a couple things that that the current administration is under pressure to relieve. If the price uh-huh. of oil continues to re- remain high, what will also remain high? Inflation. Right. Right. Um, so are, are you surprised that the price is going down? I'm not. <laughs> are are <laughs> they know, sneaking so. out what's left of the strategic? I'm going to make, uh, I'm just make those lines uh, quiet again, uh, John and Candy. So yeah. you want to get your background noise out so I can bring you back on the air. Um, is, are they sneaking more out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and not telling anyone? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> so it's oh, and, that's, and that's okay. Dirt. That's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. but I'm just, I mean, you know me, I'm just, I just, I'm just asking the questions, you know, could that yeah. be possible? Yeah. And, and is there a news blackout on that? Are they, you know, of the 180 billion or million gallons that are left, it's probably billion. Right. From the, from the original, like 860 billion 
barrels that were in there. They, they've gotten rid of most of it. Are they sneaking the last vestiges of it out during an election year? Um, I don't know. I, I, so, so if you uh, if if you want to remind me, maybe a day prior, um, you okay. know, say, hey, oil and national debt, we'd like to be the focus of the discussion for next okay. week. Um, right. You know, I, I will I will dig into oil and what's going on with it, so I am prepared. Um, and okay. then national debt, I'll have as many statistics as I possibly can 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 hold. Um, you know, on where, where it is, where it is, you know, what, what, what's causing issues, why it's growing so fast, so on and so forth. Okay. I got big red circles. I've got blue and red pens. So believe me, it's noted. Let me bring on that candy and John. Okay. Tapiaki, why don't you make a comment and then I'll get to my other two. And if Derek, of course, I know you have to leave anytime, so feel free. Um, but uh, what do you think? My grandson is an oil and gas my grandson is an oil and gas petroleum engineer, petroleum and gas, petroleum and gas engineer, and he's working seven days a week, twelve days, twelve hours a day. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, it's fun. Well, it is spare time. Well, he's All right, so so who's making background noise? Candy, John, one of you guys is, is like we're getting some extra noise here. So you want to mute your computers, just use your phones or or something like that. I want to try and get rid of that. Derek, uh, do you want to give your phone number one more time? Because I know you've got to go pretty soon. Yeah, this is uh, it's been been great today. Again, uh, this is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report, eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. So uh, I'll right. catch you guys next week. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye bye. So I need a name. Okay, so I'm going to let you know right now the background noise is not me because I had myself muted, so it's not me. Okay, let's try John's line. Let's see if uh, if I mute John for a second. Let's see if it goes away. It's John. John's causing background noise, so we need to uh, so either get away from your computer or mute them both. Maybe there's a feedback. Something's going on. We're getting a little background noise. Now, we need a name for John's report, okay? So we've got uh, Candy is the Black Mama Bear gun report. So can what, – what, what, <laughs> John dropped. Oh, I guess he's going to call back in. Okay. So we need a name for John's report. What, what, what should we call it? You know, the man behind the woman's firearm can academy? John be the, <laughs> can John be the awesome white dude bear report? <laughs> Well, that, I was thinking of that, you know, the white Papa Bear gun report. I mean, we could, I could do that. I could actually make a joint theme for both of you when you do the show together. Yeah, you, you, uh, I think that would be awesome. That would right, be let's, so let's, much fun. Let's see if he wants to be uh, – uh, so, John, do you want to be the white Papa Bear gun report? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been called worse. Oh yeah, no, this, that's a compliment. Well, let me—I don't think you've ever heard Candy's team because you never called him ahead of time. So let's get uh, let's get the one and all. And this 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 was inspired, you know. In fact, uh, um, Candy, does your husband still hate this report name? I mean, I'm just curious. Actually, he it's growing on him because he's like, yeah, as cliche as and and potentially racist as that may sound, it describes you to a T. So I may as well just shut up and grab the popcorn and watch what happens. Racist? Wait, what's racist about it? You know, what if you're white and be racist, maybe. But <laughs> because anything nowadays, if you put a color in it, then uh-huh. you're racist. And it's oh. actually a running joke around my house because my husband mm-hmm. is Caucasian. Okay. So our children are biracial. Mm-hmm. So around the house, I can make all the racist jokes I want. Right. My kids can make racist jokes half the time. My <laughs> husband cannot make racist jokes at all. 
So if like you call him a honky when you're like really mad, that's gonna that's gonna upset him because that's like a racist, right? You know what? But you can't say that because none of the kids know what that is. Now I can get by with cracker enough. Ever what's, so often what's the I point? can call him a cracker and the kids will bust out laughing. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and that's the state. Well, this is that's partially why I named you that, you know. And this is why I came up with the name. I think it was sort of like a joint effort, you know. The, well, let me play the theme for John. And John, I'll I'll, uh, I'll consider the the white papa bear. Although I was thinking of calling it the you know the man behind the woman's firearm academy, just because that's that's a contrast. That's that amuses better. me. That is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, right, that, so gonna, that one better too. So I'm going to write that down. But when you guys do a joint report. It's it's going to be the Mama and Papa Bear report or something like that. We'll figure it out. So let me just write this down here. The man, the man behind. Oh, and you have to say it like that. Oh, you, you, should I do my manly radio voice? Yes, you have to do your the manly man radio behind, voice. When you okay, say, so I need I need that. the right music. I need the right music for this. It's going to be something Montana-ish. The man behind the Woman's Firearm Academy. Hey, when we're together, why don't you just do Ebony and Ivory? No, I'm not going to do everything in Ivory. That's too cliched. What were you saying, Candy? I, I didn't know Montana had a music-ish type. No, I, but I'm going to do something Western. I got, I got, I got, I got twangy oh, guitar absolutely. stuff on my, uh, on my, my, uh, my account. So let me. Let me <laughs> we've told a lot of Oh, dude, you got to have twang. It's, it's going to be really twangy. Twang. Well, it's going to be totally contrasting with your, your theme, which is, of course, half the fun. And if you're on together, I'll just be sequentially or something. Anyway, so here's, uh, here's Candy's theme. And, and, John, I'll see if I can work on yours uh, tomorrow. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm for, like I say, you're still a little long to formulate. Sometimes they do. Uh, this one just came to me like <laughs> that day. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Every once in a while, you run across someone who doesn't quite fit the image of who you expect. And sometimes you get totally surprised. This is one of those times. Candy Petticord is a facilitator of A Girl and a Gun, a state leader, D.C. Project, Women for Gun Rights, a training coordinator, Buckeye Farms Association, a board member of Faster Save Lives, an NRA life member and training counselor, and a USCCA instructor. And for the rest of the story, you'll just have to listen to Candy Petticard, because this is the Black Mama Bear Gun Report on Action Radio. I just love saying that. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, my Especially gosh, from, I love that thing. I love it. Especially love coming it, from, love it. Every time it yeah. plays, I'm dancing. <laughs> Especially coming from a white guy. I mean, how many white guys can say on the right? the Black Mama Bear Gun Report, right? I mean, this is Action Radio. We don't care. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to both of you at this point, because so, apparently you guys have been emailing. So whatever you've been up to, let's hear it. I'm just going to, Candy, John, you know, take turns, uh, chat away, and uh, present separately, present together, whatever you want to do. Let's, uh, let's hear what you got. John, I'll let you lead in, and I'll feed off you. <laughs> cool, no problem. Uh, so what we're going to talk about is the Rahini case that's in front of the Supreme Court this week. Mm-hmm. And what that is basically is they're trying to make a determination of whether or not the uh, Violence Against Women's Act that was passed back in 1994 can prohibit a person who is subject to a domestic violence restraining order from possessing a firearm. That's just the case. So the case went to trial, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, basically ruled that that provision within that act is unconstitutional and this government's appealing and that's kind of where we stand right now 
Hmm. So Rahini, R-A-H-I-N-I. Can you use some background on, on this person? And then let's talk about the, uh, the Violence, Against, Violence Against Women Act and then uh, restraining orders, domestic restraining orders, differences there might be in there. And this, this might be a, a Jonathan chat for Monday. Um, I'll, I'll talk to him about it. Maybe we can do some more uh, joint work on that because John is, 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 seems to be uh, available most of our shows. So uh, I'm guessing your classes are like afternoon and evening because uh, I'm really glad you're able to participate, live chat at least. But uh, let's, let's start with the Violence, Violence Against Women Act. What is that? What was it supposed to do? What does it do? Candy, do you want to take that one? I Can you let John take that one? I'm trying to deal with keeping something quiet in the background over here. <laughs> then I'll kick right back in. Well, <laughs> if, if you scream and yell, so, so if you scream and yell, we're going to hear it. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, I understand. No problem. Yeah, you can meet yourself. Now, so I'll be right oh. back. I'll be right okay. back. Huh. And Candy will be right back. And now back to John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Perfect. Humor. Yeah. So in essence, so me, so, what it did. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So in, in essence, what it did was uh, laid out a bunch of provisions for taking away Second Amendment rights of individuals who they deemed as violent. Uh, mainly, the, the act we're dealing with right here is a subsection of it, which is deals with restraining orders and people who are subject to court orders. So essentially what it says is anyone that's subject to a domestic violence restraining order Mm-hmm. has their Second Amendment's rights so their ability to keep and bear arms taken away from them. See, that's illegal. That's unconstitutional. They can't do that. You know, and I use, I use the example, uh, I think I was talking to someone else the other day about this. I said, wait a minute. So the restraining order keeps somebody a certain distance away. Yeah, it was, I think this came up yesterday. And I said, if the restraining order keeps somebody 200 to 500 yards away from somebody, then there's no need to take away gu- the, the taking away guns is stupid because they're already 200 to 500 yards away. If they violate that, they could violate it with a hammer, you know, a chainsaw, you know, drain cleaner, I mean, all kinds of other nasty things, tire irons. If they violate it, or bare hands. If they violate it, they violate it, and then there are other penalties, fines, jail, whatever, you know, incarceration, things like that, if you want to put them away. But guns have nothing to do with this. Guns have nothing to do with these restraining orders because you're keeping two people apart. So those people still have their full rights. You know, unless you've been through due process, the only way to take someone's gun rights away is put them in jail. Otherwise, they still have them. And that goes for any right. Sure. You could just say it's free speech. You could say anything like that. So this idea that, well, well we think somebody's violent, we might take the, we're going to take their guns away. Well, if they're violent, they take their pencils away, their steak knives. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You take their pickup trucks away. So, but this is, this is, a, this is singles out. This is a, an anti-equal um, protection 14th Amendment case. You know, and first of all, and, and I guarantee with the Violence Against Women Act, they're not taking away women's guns, even though there might be women sure. who are stalking their former boyfriends or husbands. You know, but this is a discriminatory yeah. law. This is a law that violates the, the principle of the whole Constitution, that rights are absolute, that the government cannot touch your rights. Now, your actions are individual. So if somebody acts in a way that violates a restraining order or someone, you know, makes a false claim to get a restraining order that's still civil court these are civil actions these are criminal actions right so a restraining order is a civil action you're not being convicted of anything am i correct yeah correct so now a couple of things one is that oh, it's usually 100 ahead, yards right so usually it's 100 yards but if you if you apply that to a gun the problem you have is a gun can easily reach somebody out, reach out and touch somebody at 100 yards yeah, so, sniper rifle. I agree with, Most people can't shoot that well. I, but a handgun? Yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding? Sure. You can well, I can do it. Yeah. I, 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 I can get a, 
I can Absolutely. keep my 357 in a in a one foot circle at 100 yards off a of bench rest, but I'm unusual. <laughs> you know, I got a really steady hand. You know, but well, in honestly, an urban situation, I, how are you going to do that? Yeah, no, 100. percent It's definitely doable with the right training technique. So that's that argument doesn't hold water. However, oh, I think it does. The argument. Well, I, I'm going to challenge you on that. I, okay, well, that's fine. Okay, sure. Next that's time I see, we'll go to a range at 100 yards. We'll put, we'll put rounds no, down. No, no, no. no. We can let's put talk about commission, in the but, commission of a crime, what if I'm, someone's going to commit a crime with a gun, they're not going to do it at 100 yards. I, no, I, I agree. But what I'm saying is if, if right. you're going to use the argument that 100 yards or 200 yards is too far away to touch you with a gun so you can shoot, you can still No, no, it, I didn't make that argument. Water. What I'm saying is that in a training order, if you keep somebody 200 yards or even 100 yards apart, the need to take guns away is, is, is not a valid. It's not valid. The Second Amendment overrides that. First of all, it's a civil action. Well, Secondly, it's stupid. Why would you take guns away? You know, from, so say that person. So here's the here's case. I don't get I agree. Else. But so so someone, the, way, the way you're phrasing the argument, though, is that because uh-huh. they're 200 yards away, taking their gun away is irrelevant. Their argument What's, would be a gun can touch you at 200 yards and do damage, so the argument's not irrelevant. That's all. Uh, okay, it's so not I, irrelevant, I but I, I don't think saying. it's. I don't. Th- okay, well, that's interesting. So I don't think it's a valid argument. So in other words, taking somebody's guns away, if you're already prohibiting them from being in contact with each other, taking the guns is superfluous. It's beyond that. No, you know, you know, I agree. And if they're gonna, and if they break the restraining order, they could break it with any number of things. You know, and it doesn't I have agree. to be 200 yards. You know, if, if they break it, they're going to be right there at that person's door with a weapon or with their bare hands. Yeah. So, so again, taking away the guns. Is different. Yeah, okay. So the, it's not the tool, well, it's, it's the action. Yeah. So we're back to the same thing. It's not the tool, it's the action. Exactly. Right. Candy? Agree. And on. so, okay. I know, right? I want to jump in here because um, when we went um, to our state legislator and we were talking about a, a 2A situation, um, one of the speakers was asked by the members in attendance, so you're saying that mentally deficient people should be allowed to have firearms because you're saying that the Second Amendment applies to every citizen. So mm-hmm. you're saying that someone who's mentally deficient should have a firearm, right? And I love this person's response because they said if ensuring that that person is able to freely exercise their Second Amendment right guarantees uh-huh. that I will be able to exercise mine, then yes, absolutely. That uh-huh. person, they the Second Amendment applies to them until they make a free will choice that violates that. It, yeah. it's, it's just that simple. It's simple. The law is the law is the law. It, like, it applies to all of us until you uh-huh. do something. For example, if I'm out and I'm at the store and I'm buying my groceries and blah, 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 I, I'm not in fear of being thrown in jail because I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing it the right way. However, if I'm in Walmart and I'm cramming stuff in my pants and under my shirt and everything else, I should not be surprised when my freedom is taken away from me and I'm put in jail because of my free will choice. Yeah. So it's actions. It really, and this is something we don't hear enough talked about in the news. It really comes down to actions. Okay. And, and yes, so, absolutely. so if someone, and, and this, this whole idea of, of mental illness, where you can't have mentally ill people carrying guns. Well, do you let them drive? 
you know, do you let them vote? <laughs> you know, do you let them, uh, you know, uh, trim their hedges? <laughs> you know, what, you know, where does this, do you let them have steak knives? You know, there are dangerous things everywhere. So again, it comes down to action and in a free society. And just to expand on what you're saying, Candy, you know, with that, uh, uh, Bianca, I'll get you in a second, but just to expand on that in a free society, you cannot take action against people until they do something. You know, as much as you want the government to prevent all Correct. the bad things happening, government is not in the business of preventing. Government is in the business of arresting after the action has been taken. It's up to us to prevent Correct. as individuals. That's our job. That's why we have rights. We're not living. We're not living in a minority report type situation. No. Nor prior would restraint. I ever want to be. There yeah. is no prior you restraint. Can't, you cannot do anything to a person until they commit that act. I don't care mm-hmm. how mentally deficient or deranged or whatever they may be. They mm-hmm. need to do something. And that's and, not to protect and that's them. that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's not to protect, that, to protect them. It's to protect us so the government just doesn't start Correct. restraining all of us. Pianchi. Correct. Because heaven knows uh, how much stuff do we do as those crazy gun people that someone could say, wow, they, they've got mental problems. Uh, they probably shouldn't have the – come on. That, that, no, we can't operate that way. Well, they tried to do that. Um, John, let's get you back in here. Oh, let me get Pianchi first, then John. Well, the American Psychiatric Society listed homosexuality as a mental disease decades ago. <laughs> so, Didn't the CDC want to, take, want to take charge? They said that gun ownership was a, was a mental health issue. Remember that? It was no, about 10 years ago? Yes. You're absolutely right. So, no, they're trying to get these preludes, preclues into another reason to take your weapon away. There's no reason that a weapon should be taken away unless a person is using it in an inappropriate way. Yep. So they have to use it first. And again, I want to stress this, that that's not to protect them. And people say, well, you, you, do you want people doing mass murders? Of course not. That's a stupid thing to say. What we want is that everybody's rights be protected. And our rights are protected by not having government take action until something is done. And so what do you do to stop it? Well, carry a gun yourself. It's your responsibility. John, let's get back to you. Right. So there are a lot of problems with this case. Um, background okay. is Rahimi's a bad guy. Flat out. He's a drug dealer. Shot a bunch bag? of people, shot at a bunch of people. Really? With that? So yeah. a total scumbag. Huh? Tell, me, tell, me, tell me about Rahimi. Absolutely. I'm curious. Let's, let's get the no. background. Yeah. Arrested? He is a total scumbag. Jailed? Uh, been arrested, been jailed, but not convicted. And this is the, this is the crux of the case. So what happened hmm. was he, drug dealer, shot at some people, shot at some other people, just an all-around mm-hmm. a-hole. And okay. what they did is he was subject to a domestic violence restraining order. Why? In lieu of the conviction. Wait, 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 wait. So because, he wasn't... Because he, was well, he was beating his girlfriend as well. Well, why wasn't he arrested so, for assault and battery then? Arrested, yes. Pending trial. Pending prosecution. Oh. So okay. arrested, yes. Pending trial, pending prosecution. However, during that time, mm-hmm. they obtained a domestic violence restraining order. Based on that restraining order, they used the Violence Against Women Act to strip him of all of his gun rights. And take all of his all of his firearms. Now, yes, yeah, that's wrong. We that's can, just wrong. We can debate even if he's a dirtbag or not. Yeah. I agree, and that's the that's part of the, the crux of the case. So instead of taking a violent individual, running through the process of the court, getting convicted beyond a reasonable doubt, and then nullifying his Second Amendment rights based on the felony conviction. Well, you still can't. Which is a separate issue. Which, that, that's a separate well, issue. So we'll, yeah, that's a separate issue. But. Uh-huh. Based on what we're talking about in the case, what they did is they used a 
restraining order to take those rights away. Now, the problem with the restraining order as well is that it was a hearing that he wasn't present at. He wasn't allowed to defend himself for it, and he wasn't afforded an opportunity, opportunity to have a lawyer to defend him as well. Huh. So essentially, they took – they've been a hearing based on what the police and the prosecutors had to say and granted a restraining order with no due process whatsoever. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, that right. judge should be removed. That judge has demonstrated bad behavior, and they should be removed. I don't know why come we let people let these things go on. Because the they don't think judges can be removed. That's part of the problem. They don't think judges can be removed. Yeah, go ahead. The Constitution permits states to exist. State Constitution permits laws to be written. So you mean to tell me that you're going to over you going to trump the US Constitution by making a judgment to deny a person of their constitutional protection? That's mm-hmm. dumb. Well, here's another thing too that these restraining orders are for a specific person within a specific distance. And I don't have a problem with that. If there's a dispute going on and that's a civil order that you have to keep away from it, but you can't take other rights away at the same time. In other words, you don't you can't lose your driver's license because you have a straining order. You can't lose your job. They they can't seize your bank account. So why are they seizing your guns? So this is this is this is gun confiscation. This is illegal gun confiscation because they're singling out guns as the one thing that they're taking away when they could take away, they could seize bank accounts. They could take your job. They could, uh, they could take your property. They could do asset forfeiture. They could do all kinds of things that they don't do. All they focus on is the guns, and that's what makes it unconstitutional. Panel? I agree yeah, with agree. you. I totally agree with you because, you know, why don't they do what they're supposed to be doing? Why, why wasn't this guy in jail? For crying out loud. It, it's that simple. You did bad things. There's evidence that you did bad things, all this good stuff. I, I know we've got due process, and, and why weren't we focusing on that instead of focusing on taking away the guns? And like you said, why aren't we, you know, uh, stopping his bank accounts? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Why do we immediately go for the guns? That's not right. And what uh, another thing that I think is so awesome in the discussion that we're having, we're gun people. We're good yeah. people, and we're yeah. just like, and we're sitting right here saying this is a scumbag. However, even scumbags are protected under our rights. Even scumbags are protected. If you're going to go after them for the scummy things they have done, you need to do it properly because yep. that actually protects all of us. Mm-hmm. If you go through the right steps and the right process, the scumbag will be addressed and we will still be protected. And I think it's so awesome that we as gun people are discussing this. I, I love it. We're saying that, yeah, even a scumbag deserves to not have his guns taken away from him on a whim like that. That's not the way things should be. Well, let's ask the question, can you ever take guns away from somebody? Let's ask that. Yes. Why? I would say yes. How? Okay, how? So in very limited set of circumstances. So we'll use, we use restraining orders and we'll use May as an example. Right? So I don't believe okay. a restraining order should be a blanket reason to take anyone's rights away. However, use May as an example, that guy presented a clear 
danger to himself and others. He articulated that danger by saying, I'm going to shoot up a, a National Guard facility. Ah. He had he had all of That's... these mental problems where he articulated he had an act of furtherance, so to speak. And there were specific okay. instances and specific facts in play where they could articulate under the restraining order why it was necessary to temporarily seize those people, that person's firearms, for his safety and everyone else's. And as soon as that threat is over, then he would be able to get those firearms back. So there are certain specific instances where I believe it's warranted, but they are very few and very far in between. See, I would disagree because if you're going to take somebody's liberty away, you have to take all of it or none of it. I don't believe in partial liberty. And in other words, like saying, you know, when someone gets released from jail, uh, like in Florida for a while, they didn't get their voting rights back. Well, that's crazy. You get your voting rights back. Or the minute you're out, you know, the minute you're not, in, you can't vote while you're in jail. You can't have guns no. while you're in jail. You can't sure, you know, do while you're, things with your body. While you're in a mental but, facility, while you're in a mental mm-hmm. facility, right, and institutionalized and receiving care, it would be appropriate for the police department to temporarily seize those weapons, keep them in safekeeping, so no one else can get their hands on them. And so you're talking about a theft prevention of guns. So, so I'm who would know that somebody welfare, was? Oh. I'm talking about a welfare prevention as well. So if, okay. if, if it turns on the facility, you, you institutionalize this person, he escapes, and he takes all his guns and kills somebody, it's one thing. But if right. it's a walk-in facility where he can come and go, where they grant him privileges, he still has access to his own permanent firearms. You, you've taken, taken that way or that layer of protection away. So I'm not saying as a general rule, the answer would be no, mm-hmm. you can't take those delivery away. However, there are circumstances where this is in play. Where this relates to Rahini is – um, what it was. I think it's a Washington gun law group. They made a great analogy of this can apply to people on the left as well because they take voting rights away from felons. Yeah. Nobody I on the left with that. that. They want, I agree, but they want to give those people their rights back, but they're okay with taking their guns away. All rights or no flow. rights? Yeah, all rights or no rights. What yeah. happens? But this, is, this is how you articulate this to the left. This is right. how you make that argument. We've talked about this before. How do we control the narrative? How do we present an argument that will appeal to people and make sense to them on every level? Guns are an emotional issue. Take emotion out, replace guns with voting rights, and everyone can understand that. I've got an argument, but I want to hear Pianchi first. Pianchi, go ahead. Well, so this person that has been deemed mentally ill, suppose somebody who is mentally ill come up and try to do harm to him. Now what did he do? Yeah, I used that argument the other day on the show. I said, how about somebody who's under a domestic restraining order, they've had their guns seized, and they suffer a home invasion? Who's responsible if they get killed by a home invader after their guns are taken away? So the restraining the order deals with a specific... That that, yeah, the, the psychiatrist that has said that this person is okay, uh, well, is he going to be liable if something It's too late if someone's killed. Yeah, let's ask Candy and, and John. Yeah, so 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 a person under a domestic restraining order... Has their guns taken away? A home invasion happens because maybe they found out about it and the person's defenseless. That home that homeowner gets killed in the process because they didn't have their guns because they were they were taken for a restraining order. Who's liable for that? Candy. Mm, that's a mm. good question. And I can't even I lie. It. I call that a little bit of karma right there. <laughs> okay, fine. All right, but, that's okay. Visceral um, reactions are, are acceptable, know, but Legally, yeah, but yeah, legally, but. Um, yeah, that that would be a tricky one because 
Mm-hmm. Well, no, that 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 honestly it justifies what we've been saying. Right. You know, you you can't do that because then you're leaving that person defenseless. And if they're still out and about and all this good stuff, they're not in jail. They have the right to be able to protect and defend themselves just like anybody else. John. Yeah, I'm not advocating for taking people's rights away for domestic violence restraining orders. Mm-hmm. But that would that would be off the table anyway for me, unless there's specific articulable facts that you can justify that for some reason, and those would be very difficult to do. But the liability question is no one's liable because that's where our system works. Mm, that's what we come down to. So that's why I asked the question. So in other words, if the government takes somebody's guns for a domestic you know, violence restraining order that only covers one person and a certain area around that person. That's the limit of that, that uh, the jurisdiction of that uh, civil action, right? So anything that, that uh, goes beyond the scope of that should be illegal. So in other words, taking guns because somebody has a particular restraining order, uh, that's beyond the scope of that order. So I, I would call it right there. But here's a question too. If you have a, uh, can you keep your, your concealed carry permit if you have a domestic uh, restraining order? Sorry, I missed the question. Can you keep your concealed carry permit if you have a domestic order against you? Uh, generally, no. So I know in Rahima's case, that was, a, that was a hard no. But he loses his right to have a concealed carry permit as well. So, so wait a minute. So why would you lose your carry permit and your guns? If you lose That's your guns, true. why would you lose your carry permit? I guess you can, can you buy guns when you have a domestic uh, restraining order against you? No, you're not allowed to sell. No, you cannot. Transfer. No, you can't do anything with a firearm when you have a domestic violence against you. What about a knife? So, yeah, go ahead. Good question. My yeah. wife, yeah. cousin, stabbed her husband who was fighting her. What about a knife? And killed him. <laughs> yeah, the, the law. The law applies to firearms. Okay. So we yeah, singled out I, I one. Yeah, I can't answer for knives, but yeah, yeah we, so we singled, singled out one little thing. We singled out guns. So this is a gun argument. This is not, and this is what I say to the left. So look, you're, you're not restraining people from being violent. You're, if you did, yeah. you put them, you put them away. If they're, if they're that unstable that they're, they're a danger to themselves or to the public, first of all, you lock them up. If you lock them up, you don't have to steal their guns because you've locked them up. If you let people out and you take their guns and you leave them with knives, chainsaws, drainers, pickup trucks, you know, and every other imaginable thing out there, then you're not stopping them from being dangerous. You've left them with all their weapons except one. Granted, that weapon can reach out and touch people at a distance, but that's not the point. The point is you leave them with weapons. You leave them with the potential to break into somebody's house, you know, uh, a cutlass from the pirate days, you know, or a machete. <laughs> you know, so say they steal a machete from a gang, right? And that's their, that's their weapon. Okay, so in other words, they're going after guns. This is this is a gun That's confiscation. It's a gun confiscation like law. Bow and arrow. Yeah, I'm good with a bow and arrow, up to about forty, fifty yards. Yes, but that's the problem of this case, and this is part mm. of the bigger issue. So what okay. the two things are going on? One is that the the government or the restraining order is using a different standard of evidence than a criminal mm. trial. Mm-hmm. which is preponderance of the evidence versus reasonable doubt. So preponderance of the evidence is usually for civil trials, restraining orders, things like that, which is a far lower standard. What that is is any small percentage above 50%. So it's 50.000001% is enough to grant that restraining order. 
as opposed to reasonable doubt in a criminal trial, which is far greater. No, I agree and with that. That's civil the government. Yeah. Uh, Greg, that is not the government that's doing it, because if the government was doing it, John, it would come from the state legislature or Congress. That's a judge. That's an overzealous judge that needs to be removed. That's bad well, it's behavior. A, it's, a federal, it's a federal law. So it's federal law that he abided by. But it's also – that's why the Fifth Circuit is trying to overturn it. Yeah, so the Fifth Circuit is so right in this in case. Play. So yeah. the, the state court agreed and just, by, just followed the federal law. When it went to the Fifth Circuit, the Fifth Circuit court deemed that unconstitutional. So it's, it's not the state court that's doing it. It's the federal government who implemented this act, mm-hmm. and then the state court was following the act. If a, but the, the if, evidentiary if a, standard is a problem. If a state considers a federal law unconstitutional, they don't have to abide by it. I think even a judge said that. No, I agree. Yeah, but they didn't, that, though. That's a rarity. That's not going to happen. Yeah. That, but the state, the state went along with the federal laws, as, as John said. But uh, oh boy, something I was going to bring up about this. Um, now, this, this restraining order, did Rahini commit violence against um, – I guess it looks like we lost Pianchi. Um, too bad. I want, to, I want to keep him on the conversation. This was fun. Maybe I'll call back. Um, well, I think the stock market just opened. <laughs> he tends to leave us. Yep, he's got to go. All right. So, so it's just us three kids. Um, so what, why was this domestic restraining order issued? Did he commit violence or threaten violence against this person? Against yeah, somebody? I think it was his wife or it was his wife or his girlfriend. I can't remember which. Okay. So are they living together? Uh, yes, they were. So wait a minute. So, so how does he fulfill a domestic restraining order to keep 200 yards away if they live together? So he has to move out. So she's in possession of his guns then if he has to move out, if he can't take them with him, or do the guns get seized and held by the police? How, how does this work? The guns were taken. That was the point of the restraining order. So as a result of the restraining order, they seized all his guns. So, so he leaves. He loses his guns. Does he lose anything else? As far as I know, as far as what his other rights go, no. Okay. So they've singled out other than other than his right to other than his right to interact with his his wife or girlfriend. Okay, so he can go find another girlfriend. He can move in. He can start a business. He can, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't do something else like rob a bank or just throw him in jail. But he's not he's not facing a criminal charge that would incarcerate him. And he has property. Well, he's pending criminal charges based on the based on the domestic violence as well as the other crimes he ended up committing. But he hasn't been he hasn't been convicted. Interesting. So and as you say, if, you were, what, if you were to be arrested uh-huh. for shoplifting, you would have a, an arrest on your record. But you wouldn't have a conviction until it happened. So they wouldn't necessarily they wouldn't incarcerate you for the entire time, especially now because there's no bail. They just let you out. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. Was he out on, on right. no bail? Do we know about that? Uh, he was out. I, I don't know about the no bail or not. I, that I don't know. Um, huh. but, so the other problem with this case, though, is not just the evidentiary part of it. Is what they're trying to say is. Uh, it's a historical, it's a historical um, background for it. So they're saying, based on Bruin, that do we have a history at the time of being able to take people's Second Amendment rights away because they were dangerous? Right? And that's the government's argument. Is historically, I heard the at arguments. the time, they yeah, were dangerous. I want dangerous. to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, this is the problem we're having. And this is going to be the, the, the probably the potential biggest problem there in the case. 
mm-hmm. is if they allow the government to define who's dangerous, mm-hmm. we are all doomed. It's actually right. worse than Agreed. that. Right now, Absolutely. What you're yeah, saying Kenny, right you go there, ahead. that's right. the crux. Yeah. That is, that's the crux right there. If it's all who they deem, quote, dangerous. It's and, worse than oh that. Oh, my gosh. If, if, if we go down that road, like you said, we are all doomed, and that, make, that's a scary thought. Can I make it worse? Look at the last you know couple make, of years. The last couple me, of no, years. Hold, hold, hold on, John, John, John. Wait a minute, Pianchi. Let me make it worse. I listened to the oral arguments. Now, the, the person that was uh, in, in opposition to the government person was completely incompetent. They should never have been there. But the government person, they didn't just say dangerous. They said irresponsible. So the standard is not dangerous. The standard is what the government believes is irresponsible. I don't know if you guys heard that in the actual oral arguments. I did. So let's yeah, put that in. That. I, think they walked that, I think they walked that back a little. I think that when the justices pushed back on that, um, well, when the me. justices pushed back, they said that, are you saying just irresponsible? And they said, no, we're saying they're, they were saying dangerous. So the, the problem with dangerous, though, is look what's happened in the last couple of years. They're labeling mm-hmm. parents domestic terrorists for going to a school board meeting. Mm-hmm. And who, you know who's dangerous? Is inherently Mike, dangerous. How about Michael Byrd, who assassinated Ashley uh, Babbitt uh, and left his firearm in a bathroom in an airport before that? You want to talk? To, and he's and he's still he's still working. He's still got his guns. So the the government standard is that it's, it's civil, it's non government non governmental people who they consider dangerous. They never consider government people dangerous. They don't consider the SWAT teams, uh, uh, the the man who was killed in uh, Nevada, the old guy who made some stupid posts. They don't consider all the Waco. You know, let's talk about that. So, so the government, this is, this is persecuting non-government people. You're absolutely right, Greg. And one other point, too. What mm-hmm. in the world is the federal government doing getting involved in domestic violence restraining orders? That is Good what idea. you call Good point. overreach. John? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is what it is, so we've still got to try and fight mm, it. Is it constitutional? Is it constitutional for the government to have jurisdiction over domestic restraining orders, a civil action? No, but we, that my point is, it is what it is, and we still have to fight it. So the law itself, so wait a minute, wait a minute. No, let's it's on the books, so the law, so itself, re- the law itself is unconstitutional. Wouldn't that not be an issue before the Supreme Court, that the Domestic Violence Act Against Women which is discriminatory because it's not against men, but the Domestic Violence Act, the you know, Act Against Women is discriminatory because it puts, is illegal because it puts the federal government in charge of something that they have absolutely no jurisdiction over. Tenth Amendment yeah. violates this immediately. So wouldn't that be grounds yeah, for dismissing the law? Did Agreed. that come up but in the oral arguments? Did no, that come the, up problem arguments? With the, Supreme Court, the huh. problem with the Supreme Court, though, is they very narrowly only address what's before the court. They're very unwilling to expand that out. So the only thing before the court is the domestic uh-huh. violence restraining order and whether or not we have a Bruin decision, which is the historical precedent for it, and that's it. They didn't argue due process. They didn't argue to nullify the law because they don't have standing at all. So they're not <laughs> hearing any of that. So that's part of the problem with the guy's defense attorney, who I agree is, is fairly who incompetent. Is who who, uh, I don't who know defended? Because they were terrible. And I, I only listened to a few. I got so frustrated I turned it off and I had a show to do. So tell about that, and then I want to get Candy yeah. back in on this. Tell me about the, the, yeah, the arguments against the government. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name, but he, he wasn't <sighs> making the argument against the government. All he basically said was, hey, there's no historical precedent for this. 
And he couldn't articulate really why. And then when they started pushing back on, well, what's the dangerous? We can do it if it's dangerous. He kind of stuttered and stammered and didn't oh, make any convincing it. arguments. So instead so of let me saying, argue it, yeah, there I are, done yeah, instead jobs. of saying, yeah, instead <laughs> of saying there's dangerous people out there, we all agree that they're dangerous to everyone else. But the fact that they're dangerous doesn't nullify everyone's right or their own right to keep them bare arms and mm-hmm. protect themselves. He didn't make well, they're totally argument. separate. He didn't make a due process argument. <sighs> so they completely ignored due process because that wasn't on the table. So even he should have posed it at least. He should have said, look, we argued this on a due process point as well. We're back to he didn't even get a hearing to take his rights away. So they could nullify See, it just on that. But I would argue supremacy. Because they didn't. Oh, I agree. Uh, that too. Yeah. But he didn't argue any of that. All he did was basically respond to the fact that he doesn't believe there's a historical precedent because there weren't really domestic violence laws in play at the time. And because they didn't have those laws, and those laws came into effect after, well after the establishment uh, back in the 90s or you know, late 80s and early 90s, that they don't yeah. apply. Let's, that's, let's talk to Candy about that. Yeah, hold on a second. I want to get so Candy in this conversation. Question. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I have a question. So are these items being addressed narrowly like this out of laziness? out of incompetence, out of unwillingness to venture, quote, down the rabbit hole? Why do you think that these things that are obvious to us are not being addressed by these people and they're keeping it on this narrow scope? Why, why do you think that is? I give that to John. One, it's a smart play by the government because it narrows the focus of the argument, doesn't it? It doesn't open up any doors or avenues of attack. So that's their tactic. That's brilliant. Two, the Supreme Court oh, has a question. fundamental lack of courage. Hold, hold on, Pianchi. Hold on, Pianchi. Go ahead, John. The, the Supreme Court, is, they lack courage and they lack um, integrity, frankly. Instead of doing the right thing and saying, look, you're right, in a narrow focus, this may be past mustard. But on a broader perspective, this entire law is unconstitutional based on supremacy clause, based on due process, based on any number of factors. They won't do that. So it's the easy way out for them, and it gives them cover. And the government supports the government. Pianchi, go ahead. The Supreme Court is not supposed to make laws anyway. But the problem is that states don't come out like Mississippi done about six months ago and told the courts, we ain't going to do it because it's unconstitutional to draw up a segregated Voting district. They said they weren't going to do it and didn't do it. Well, that's not the state legislature. Where, where's the Rohini case? Is it Texas? Where, where, where is it? Where did it begin? John. I asked you a question. Right. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. That's yeah, fine. I don't know. All right. Whatever state it is, Pianchi's right, but the, the the correct place to resolve this is with the state legislature. They should have recalled the judges in their Supreme Court that ruled this way. That uh, said, we're going to vol- we're going to go with the federal law because they had no authority to do that because the federal government has no jurisdiction in domestic uh, violence criminal affairs. I would also argue that the Second Amendment is the supremacy clause supersedes any domestic violence order. So, you, so in other words, you can you can prosecute a domestic order at the local level or the county level or the state level or city level. Got no problem with that. All right? But you cannot take somebody's gun rights away, which is in the federal constitution, which the states gave jurisdiction over the entire country with the Fourteenth Amendment. So you cannot take someone's gun rights away. That is an absolute prohibition. The only way you could do that is to throw them in jail under due process. Until that point, they have their property and they have their guns. Now, if the, if the domestic situation, you want to keep someone 200 yards apart, they have to move out, that's fine. But you can't take their guns. 
This is where we separate. We separate the constitutional right, which are absolute, with prohibitions on government from touching in any way the right to keep and bear arms. They can't do that. So the only way that they could do that is to take all the rights away, which goes back to my argument that rights are all or nothing. In prison, you, see, even, you still have even rights in prison, but you don't have your property. You, know, you can't work. You can't do all the things you'd normally do. You don't have access to uh, anything, you know, your vehicles, your, your garage tools, <laughs> you know, your guns. And that makes sense because you're in jail. You're in jail because you went through due process. Understand that. Domestic violence, uh, I, I disagree with it, but that's up to the states to handle that. But they cannot go, go beyond the scope of the order. And the order says you have to stay 200 feet away from this person. That's it. That's all they can do. They cannot touch anything else. They can't just make up stuff. And this domestic violence restraining thing or this, 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 this woman against uh, whatever act is completely unconstitutional. They have no jury. It's discriminatory. It violates the Equal Protection Clause. It violates the Second Amendment. And I bet you if you give me some time, I could find a bunch more things it violates. How am I doing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, so one, one of the cases was out of Texas, but two, the, the role is, part of the role of the Supreme Court is to safeguard our constitutional rights. And, and as a check, as, as it, well, as a check, as it applies to a check on Congress and, and their ability to government. write them, I agree. So when Congress writes a bad law and the Supreme mm-hmm. Court sees that it's unconstitutional, they do have a duty to say this law is unconstitutional, and that's what they're they failing revoke, to do. Can they revoke the law, or can they only issue an opinion on it? Uh, theoretically, I think they, well, technically, I think they can, they can only issue an opinion on it. But exactly. So I'll make that clear. The state, We're not, uh, now, this, are, this, is, this is why I'm having Alan Dershowitz on the show. Now, I'm not going to have an argument with him on, the, on, on Tuesday, but I want to see if I can bring him back for a discussion for exactly these issues, that judicial right. review is unconstitutional, that the Supreme Court exceeds their authority. I don't mind them putting an injunction on a law. You know, the parties to the case, they can do that. They can even put an you know, injunction or a stay, but they cannot revoke a law. They cannot make policy you know, to fix that, whatever they perceive, they cannot make regulations or laws. That has to go back to the Congress, and the Congress can overrule the Supreme Court the same way the Supreme Court can overrule the Congress. That's why we have co-equal branches of government. So, but we've got to make that Agreed. really, really clear. Let me, um, I want to go to historical. First of all, Candy, can you stay beyond this hour? I want to make sure we get you in. Or do you have to go at the top of the hour? i got to go at the top of the hour. I'm sorry. I've got a uh, Don't be sorry. class on teaching. Okay, well, that's more important. <laughs> So let's, let's get you on, on two things here. I want to get your opinion on, on this whole idea of historical background. And the second one, that's from the Bruin case, and I disagree with that. And the second one I disagree with is the Heller case where Scalini said that there can be re- – Scalini. <laughs> is that, what's his name? What's, his, what's the judge? Is it Scalia? No. What's his name? That is his Scalia? name. Okay, I thought it was, the, I thought it was the, him speaking. Scalia. Scalia, Scalia. Scalia. There we go. I knew it was Scalia. Scalia is probably like an Italian sauce. All right. Anyway, so Scalia, when he said that you could put reasonable restrictions on the Second Amendment, in both cases, I think they're wrong. But I want, I want Candy's opinion. So let's go with historical background. Candy, do you know what that's about? Got an opinion on that? He should be removed, um, too. Hold on. Hold on. Pia, the, 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 you know, oh, I'm just, wait, 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 wait. No, Candy, I'm what, sorry. What Candy, did you ahead. say, Bianchi? What did you <laughs> All right, say, go ahead. Bianchi? Yeah, go ahead, Bianchi. I said Scalia should be removed, too. Well, he's dead. He has been murdered. I think that's the ultimate. Bury him again. (laughs) Bury him again. No, he was murdered. I think he was murdered, but that's another story. He had a pillow stuff over his face, but that's another story. So, Candy, so here's here's what's going on. Let me give you the quick little background on this. So one of the principles that the Supreme Court uses, I think, erroneously, is that they go back to the – it's called originalist theory. 
and Johnny can correct me on this if I get it wrong, but originalist theory is they, they go back to 1776, and whatever the current thought was then, that's what applies today. I think it's a bunch of nonsense. I'm, I'm what you call a textualist. In other words, I read what it says as amended and just take the law as it is. But they go back to this historical perspective, and they say, well, you know, if, uh, if uh, you know, the practice way back when was to do this, then we're going to maintain it today because that's what they intended for us today. I think it's a bunch of nonsense, but what do you think? Have you heard about this? I've, I've just recently heard about this, and unless the Founding Fathers had a crystal ball, <laughs> I, I know where you're going. This is honestly, great. Yep. Yeah, well, honestly, I think that because they were inspired in their writing, um, they encompassed as much as they could at that time. And honestly, I think the Constitution is a brilliant piece of, of literary work. I think it's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. However, to say that, well, they had muskets then and we have ARs now and that doesn't apply to AR, come on, uh, come on. You know, so I wasn't referring to that really specifically, think- but it, it was, the, and John, maybe you can explain this better, but the, what they do is they go back and say whatever the historical precedence was. You know, if they made laws, right. you know, in a certain way then, then we should make the same laws that the same thing applies today. And, and that's it, silly. It's, that's yeah, silly. Okay. Right. So, so you're implying by saying that that there will or there never should be any type of evolution or progression at all, and that's just stupid. That that's just dumb. Okay, let me get you on the other one: reasonable restrictions. So Scalia, who I mispronounced earlier, Scalini. <laughs> no, that was pretty good, actually. Sounds Italian. What are you going to do, right? But I know. He said, it sounds like tortellini or something. Yeah, exactly. That's probably <laughs> what I was thinking. I'm probably hungry because I, I get hungry when the show's over. I'm like ravenous. Anyway, so Scalia said in the Heller decision, that you could put reasonable restrictions on the Second Amendment. And, and, and John and Pianchi, you know, worry more about this in, in terms of law. Uh, they have reasonableness tests, and they have strict scrutiny. And as long as they go through the right procedure, they can restrict the Second Amendment. How does that strike you? That's Candy. baloney. That, okay. That's baloney. Um, Why? That's just as bad as the reasonable person test. Because mm. who is this reasonable person? There is no such the white guy about person. 54 years old, balding. You know, exactly, has, he's an, wearing plaid, you know, and <laughs> blah, plaid, blah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But who is this reasonable person? So <laughs> what is this reasonable standard? You, you, it, it will always be subjective, which means it will always be fluid and in flux, and it will always be not fair. Agreed. John, do you have questions for Candy? Because uh, she's got to go in about seven or eight minutes. I know she's got to go, but uh, what did she think about the Tennessee Manifesto? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And to have that exposed, and, and aren't they, or, or wasn't there, like, a huge effort to not have that exposed? Mm. Did I they want to find out who exposed it. That, they want to find out who leaked it. Was. Yeah, wasn't there a huge uproar that this got leaked? I'm sorry, this this dude, chick, whatever, was a total whack job, and there it is in black and white, but you don't want that released. Why not? Panel, <laughs> good question. Why not? John? Oh, there's a lot of reasons why not. I don't think Candy has time for them all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick up in the next hour. Cause the, I know, now, right? I, just... Just for interest, now, did any of you hear, we have a progressive trans reporter from San Francisco who calls the show. We talked about this yesterday. Did anybody hear that discussion? 
Yeah, I listened in. No, what you, I did not. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I get where she's at with it, but I also think that there's a lot more to the story. Of course there is. But just the fact that we're talking about it with a trans person. Now, I don't believe in guilt by association. In other words, you know, white guys aren't the same as Jeffrey Dahmer. Just because we're all white right. guys. You know, um, right. you know, black people don't, aren't all like Idi Amin, you know, just because they're black. Uh, so this guilt by association uh, thing has, has, you know, really has to stop. So and what's interesting, we'll, we'll talk more about this, you know, but uh, we do have a, a socialist progressive trans reporter. And we get a lot of very interesting insights, things that you wouldn't expect. But we do talk about this issue, and it did come up. So it'd be worth checking out the show from yesterday uh, if you're curious, because we dealt with it pretty straightforwardly, I thought. All right, uh, John and Candy, you guys got five minutes before anything else you two want to chat about. No, I'm open. Look, Candy. How? Go ahead, Candy. Uh, well, you know what? One of the things that just literally tapped my behind is something that was brought up earlier. If we know these laws are illegal, how how do they get into existence? How do they stay in existence? And how do we, as people who know better and who see, how do we how do we change this? How how do we do more than gripe about it on a podcast or Candy. a blog Candy. or something else? You wonderful person! You just, you just defined why I created Action Radio. That's exactly why. Let's give her a gong. She gets it. She gets it. Not only that, that's why we have action radio. Go ahead, Pianki. That's the reason why I come. Somebody with provisional states is is going to contact you here in a little bit. Yeah, I was going to let you know. I just got her email. I just got it. All right. Is it is is it today or because I've had Mark Meckler on the show, you know, and uh, this is back at WBY. I want to get it back on. I'm a little more critical of Convention of States now, but I'd love to have a Convention of States person on. We're talking next hour awesome. or what? But okay. the reason so, why I come, the other reason why I come is because the responsibility that already exists is not being observed by those who have that responsibility, and that's the states, which yep. in turn equates to people, educated people. Yeah. Let me tell you something else that uh, Jonathan says. Now, Jonathan does a legal report on Mondays, and he made it very clear because he's, he's, he's like he's got a Ph.D. in bureaucracy. Guy's brilliant. And he talked about how the government always reinforces the government. And so this is why, you know, the, the judges should be like referees, should be like umpires, they're like employees. The juries should sit above the judge. Judge should be wearing a black and white striped shirt with a whistle, you know, sitting in a little box, you know, and, and call, calling fouls, like, you know, like objections and fouls, right? But the jury is supreme. The jury should be instructing the judge, not the other way around, because the people are supreme to the government, but yet in court, the government is supreme to the people. So what fundamentally happens is that the, the judge reinforces the government position. The Supreme Court is the ultimate judge panel in our country so they're the ultimate reinforcers of government authority they almost never you know except on rare exception you know criticize the government stop the government or do things against the government occasionally when it's really blatant but for the most part they support the government far more often than they don't and so that's why these things happen that's why they don't go as as john and candy and pianchi were you know as all of you were saying why don't they look at the fact the second amendment you know, is the supreme law of the land by the supremacy clause in the 14th Amendment? Why don't they look at due process that wasn't given yet and still in process? Why don't they look at the fact that this domestic order only, only uh, can go as far as the distance and can't touch anything else about this person's life? 
And why don't they talk about the fact that we don't do this to protect that person? You know, we don't have laws against bank robbery to stop bank robbers because it doesn't. They rob banks anyway. You know, but uh, we protect our rights to protect all of us. But everybody deserves due process. And that protects us. We, we don't have – it's like four of the, the, the Ten Amendments in the, in the Bill of Rights are about the rights of the accused. It's the biggest part of the Bill of Rights because that's the most abused right. part by government. That's why. So, right. Candy, just in, in the last couple of minutes, what you talked about, why don't people do more, is exactly why I created Action Radio. And our mission statement is we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. And that answers the question that Thomas Jefferson posed in the Declaration of Independence. Well, not a question, but the statement. He said, the just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. So when I'm riding my bike back in 2014, thinking about how to create all this stuff, I asked the question, how do the governed give their consent? And I answered the question, the governed give their consent by writing the laws by which they are governed and then submit them to government. That's what we do here. Andy? That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I think so, too. I do. I love it. I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm really happy and, when I do that. And, yeah. and honestly, it didn't happen until I got more involved in the, quote, gun world. I mm-hmm. did not realize the importance of protecting everyone's rights mm-hmm. because it's across the board. Because if we start sectioning out parts of the population – who can't have this right, can't have that right, guess mm-hmm. what? It's only a matter of time before that starts applying to us. Yep. So we simply cannot start that trip down that hill. We simply can't do it. Yeah. John, what do you think of our mission here? Does that all make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. I, I think it's, it's also uncovered upon us to, to control the narrative. And that's part of Oh, I agree. <laughs> yeah, so, so, well, anyway, um, Candy, if you have to go, uh, so, you have a, let's, let's get your yeah, contact information quickly, before you go. Before I go, John I, or, or Greg, I would ask that we would be able to maybe continue this next week. And, John, I would love it if you could send me an email so we could kind of touch bases a little bit more because there's so much to cover here and there's so many different avenues we could go down. I think we should start focusing on one particular avenue for each one because this is huge. And with a with a major election coming up, I think we need to make it important or or critical that we inform the people how important your vote is. Don't just go there and check this box because they're all Democrats or check these boxes because they're all Republicans. You need to find out what do these people really believe? What do they stand for? How have they voted in the past? And also people don't understand that it starts at the lower, quote, lower levels. For example, your school board. Who is teaching the next generation? What are they teaching them? What are they allowing them to be taught? And I think a lot of people miss the point that when you go to vote, it's not just the president that's the important election. It's, it's the little people right there in your hometown. It's a trickle-up effect as opposed to a trickle-down effect. Bravo, Agreed. bravo. That's, a, that's an Oscar performance. Wait a minute. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me find my, uh, 
my my appropriate uh, uh, uh here we go Is it like a flyby now when I do that? <laughs> Where did that come from? I love from? it. It's not like I a know, flyby. It's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> All right. So here's but what I want anyway, to do. Anyway, John, I yeah, would love but, it if you would reach out to me and let, let's kind of get our heads together on what we want to talk about next week because I think this yeah. is an awesome topic and I think it's perfect for us. Well, here's yeah. what I want to do with you two. I want to make it like a joint report. Uh, so that so I'll bring you both on at the beginning of the hour. I'll, I'll have two themes, which will be kind of fun. But take turns presenting things. Maybe you'll both present one topic. Maybe one will present a topic one week, next one next week, or however you want to do it. But you two, yeah, I, think, I think you're good together. And you, should, you could probably have your own show, you know, on Blog Talk Radio, like Saturdays for an hour or something like that. But um, you won't have me interrupting all the time. But uh, you guys talk. We'll, we'll figure this out. Let's talk during the week. See what we can figure out for, for next week. Sound good? Sounds great. Guys, y'all right. have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Candy. All right, so tell you what. Let me take a little break right now. Um, now, is somebody going to be calling me from Convention of States, or, or what, what's, what's the story on that? Calling who? Not me. you. They're going to oh. contact them. Yeah. Oh, but not me. Okay, that's fine. All right. Got it. Okay. Well, say, let's take a look. They're going to do a presentation to their membership. Oh. Well, I thought they were going to call me. Okay, fine. I'll just sit here and do my radio show, you know, like I always do. No problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Hey, guys, meet yourselves. Meet yourselves for a couple of minutes. Go get some coffee. Take it easy. We're going to take about a four or five minute break, and then we can uh, get into uh, Nashville. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? We got this hour free. And so, uh, and of course, John, you know, or you don't have to say the whole hour. I've got plenty of material myself. If you want to talk about what we started yesterday, aviation safety, that's something Pianchi knows a lot about being a pilot. Um, John, not sure how much you know, but, uh, you know, feel free to, uh, to weigh in on it as well. But anyway, um, I'll be back in a little bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215 383 our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S writeyourlaws.com This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force. 
your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. 
we talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. And we're back. We've got Pianchi and John on the line. And uh, John, I'm glad you could stick around for these these times because a lot of times Pianchi and I would kind of hash over the uh, the events of the week, and it's sort of our, our Friday after Friday morning, you know, kind of a summary of, of everything that's been going on. So I'm glad to have you here too. So it makes it more interesting, um, I think. Uh, so let me throw it to you, John. Um, any particular issues you want to start with, we can continue what we're talking about. We can bring up something totally different. I'm open, then I'll, then I'll throw it to Bianchi and uh, see what's on his mind. Yeah, let's talk about Nashville a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So they released a few pages of a notebook from mm-hmm. the girl who shot everybody up. What was your take on it? Me? Well, I, I, it's exactly what I expected it would be. Um, so so let's, let's get this straight. Are we talking about someone who is biologically male? that has been, uh, what do we call it, uh, um, cosmetically altered. Or I'm trying to think of a, elective surgery. I call it elective surgery and drugs, okay, because it's still the same person they were. So this is a biological male, correct? No, that it's a is, biological uh, female. It's a biological be. female. Okay, so, so, yes. um, all right, so it's a biological female. Uh, so the, see, the trans part of it is not, uh, I mean, it's, it's a murder. And whether you're a black murder or a white murder, whether you're tall or short, old or young, you know, trans or, or you still have, you know, you're still intact, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Um, it doesn't matter to me uh, unless this is part of a trans agenda. Now, where the, the politics, I mean, the act itself doesn't matter. I don't care about that. As for the politics of it, that's a different question. That's where it gets very interesting. And so um, I found this. Uh, um, but this person, it's not some, because they're not advocating a radical trans agenda. They're not saying that trans is a civil right, a human right. They're not saying they want trans funding. There's nothing particularly politically trans about this. The fact that this person has gone through uh, elective surgery and drugs uh, is, is their choice. But I'm wondering how much that actually bears on this. And a lot of people who are calling this the trans murder, I think I'm missing the point. This is a murder. And I want to explore the drug connections later. But it's a murder. And this is someone that hates everybody. They hate themselves because they're white. And it's all against white people. Uh, they use word crackers and, uh, you know, all kinds of other derogatory terms for, for homosexuals. I wonder if I can say it on the air. Faggot? I guess I just did. Uh, in connection with this, that word is used a lot, all right? Derogatory term. Uh, and there are other things that, uh, that are in there. Uh, this person hates everybody, hates themselves. So this is, this is an incredibly internally hated person. Uh, so th- this may, to me, it makes it a hate crime because they hate everybody, including themselves. But the significant part... Uh, is first of all, uh, the act that was done, it was a murder, and then they killed themselves. Okay, so they resolved it. Or no, the police shot them. Didn't the police? Uh, police shot this yeah. person, right? Okay, so the police yeah. ended it uh, successfully and, and properly. Um, but, uh, but here's the real problem. The real problem for me is that the manifesto that should have been public within minutes, maybe hours, I don't know when it was discovered, was, was it found on the murderer? Where, where was the manifesto found? I don't think we know. Uh, oh. that's, that's probably the bigger problem. So if you look at it, there's some, right. there's some dispute on who's actually blocking it. 
So the locals say it's the feds, and the feds say it's the locals. So nobody really knows who's blocking it. My guess is it's probably more the feds than the local cops that are blocking the release of it. What so, was released was not the manifesto. Oh, what was released? So I, it was three pages of a notebook that they found. And, and people where? need to remember that. Where, where, where did they find there's, the notebook? There's, there's no context. There's no context. They don't know where they found the notebook. Those were screenshots or from someone or, or pictures someone one of the officers took of the notebook pages. That's all that was released. That's what was leaked. It wasn't anything else that they seized. So their search warrant actually seized five laptops, a suicide note, a bunch of other notes, two memoirs, five yearbooks, and seven cell phones. <laughs> that's, that's like volume. That's like an encyclopedia got, volume of material. Sure. Or and more. And we have three pages. Oh, so this isn't over then. This is this is just beginning. This, isn't, this is nothing that they released. So the fact that they're still refusing to release it is the bigger problem. It doesn't surprise me that these three pages got released, though. If you look at it in context of, look, we released three pages. Everyone's calling it the manifesto. Now we can right. stop fighting, keep it hidden. Oh, uh, like, so this is to stop further investigation, not to actually investigate. Is that what you're saying? We're Which allowing them, yeah. Absolutely. We're allowing them to control the narrative again, which goes back to my narrative problems. So instead of uh, whoever released it, was it Crowder who released it, instead of coming out and saying, we have three pages that were released to us regarding what the motivations could have possibly been. However, Uh there was a massive amount of documents gone. They released it as, hey, we had the manifesto. We're going to put it out. Yeah, three-page manifesto of, of notes. Yeah, I wondered about that too, but I didn't really formulate a whole theory that you have here. This is very interesting. What are your sources on that? How do you know there's there's all that other information? It's public record. It's off their search warrant. Oh, really? Do you have the yeah. search warrant? Can you uh, can you uh, put that on our can you, or a copy I don't have it? Search warrant. Uh, oh. I'll see if I can find it. I'll see if I yeah, can let's put it. on our special investigations page. Oh. Pianki, right. what do you think but so that far? Was part, yeah, go ahead. That was part of the. Oh, go ahead, John. So when they file a search warrant, once they seize all the property, they have to fill out everything that they seize. It's called a return. That's all the stuff they took from all of the locations that they searched behind her. Interesting. Pianki, let's get you in on this. What do you think so far? Well, the damage has been done. They organized grade school students, high school students throughout Nashville and surrounding areas to do a big parade demonstration, ended up at the legislative, at the uh, Capitol, and they're blaming it on guns. And rather than blaming it on mentally ill people. So well, that's what, that's let's talk about mentally ill. Well. Because they say we have to prevent mental illness, but anybody who would do this has to be mentally ill. Sane people don't do this. This is not the action of a, of a sane, healthy, m- you know, mentally uh, stable person. Is there ever been a case of a of a sane person doing anything like? We're going to ask John. John, do you know any case of a of a of a murderer with you know good mental health and common sense? Mass public shooter. Well, it depends on how you define. Well, you had to put context to that. Uh, okay. If you look at, let's say, uh, I I don't remember her name, but I know there was a woman that was in a courthouse and she brought a gun to the courthouse. The guy who murdered her daughter, she shot him seven times. Now, you could consider that mentally ill, but you could also consider that fully rational. Right. So I'm yeah, not it's sure rational to me, unless he was right? innocent. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's He was problem. not. Okay. Yeah, he was not. 
but that's okay. so you know you you can't mental ill yeah something like this definitely is a mental illness component you can't separate the transgender issue out of this so i'm not trying to separate context, it out i'm just uh, uh, but i'm wondering how much it, it applies it applies well, tell me what you think okay no tell I think me. it applies quite a bit so if, if okay. you're if you're a person who's been told for years now that they're the victim they're the target of attacks they're they're the brunt uh-huh. of everyone's problems you can't take that out now let's put it in context of why they actually didn't release it immediately i'm you not know? sure no tell so me we had we had basically everyone was telling the victims or telling transgender people that they were going to be the victims of hate and all these other oh, things. oh that's right yeah there's gonna be all the hate crimes yeah so now the Absolutely. now did the trans did the trans folks use this for their own radical political agenda Ah, so this is where it gets interesting. So right after that is when okay. they had the march on the Tennessee legislator, right. and they took those two black House members, and they were trying to expel them because they incited a right. riot with inside the chamber. Which so they did. Put that in context. They right after that happened, yeah. right after that happened, you have uh, – what's her face? Uh, KJP, uh, Pierre, give a, a press briefing where they – professed their full support for transgender community, talked about how they were fierce and how transgender kids were fierce and how they were fighting back in the wave of Nashville. But this isn't right? a discrimination case. This is a murder case. I, I agree. They, but, the well, but they're the exploiting it. Suspect, you, that, this is right. answering your question. This is answering your question. So no, okay, they, no, took I, and they, they made it a transgender issue, and right. they actually made the suspect a victim out of it. You have Biden who comes out and makes a joke about it. Right. I remember that now. That's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. So you have sitting House members in Tennessee basically inciting a riot. You have the press secretary coming out and saying it's a transgender problem because they're being discriminated against. You have Biden making jokes about it. You have all those idiots raising seven fingers for seven victims. When it was six. Yeah. That's yeah. like uh, from, the, from the river was, to the sea. The yeah. yeah, but who's the seventh? The seventh was the murderer. But this happened after the murder. So so let's talk about before and after. I think it's an interesting uh, issue to raise. Pianchi, you had a point you wanted to make. No, I'm saying that John is correct. That was the other point that they didn't want to bring out, is that this lady was uh, transsexual. Transgender. Well, we heard, that pretty, we heard that pretty quickly, though. So this is, this is a chick that wants to be a dude. Uh, so I want to get our biology straight. Now, um, let me, the thing I'm always curious about is the drug issue because I haven't heard a, a single mass public shooting where the person wasn't on, uh, a series of drugs or a series of drugs of different kinds for a long time. You know, it starts with the ADHD drugs, Ritalin, Adderall, Adderall is like meth almost. Right. Uh, then you get to the, um, the antidepressants, Lovox, uh, I just want to keep forgetting what it's called. But there's several uh, antidepressant drugs. And then you've got the puberty blocking. You've got the hormone drugs. Well, and then you've got vaccines on top of that. So you've got four categories of drugs, vaccines, ADHD drugs, antidepressants, and trans drugs. You put all those together, is there any shred of humanity left after that kind of an assault? I'm not excusing. I'm just I'm looking for a, a cause and a reason here. John, you think? Right. Well, yeah, no, I, Hold on, Jackie. I'll get you. John? No. So one thing, to Pianchi's point about the transgender, yeah, okay. we got that information immediately. But if you watch that press coverage, they immediately dropped that and calling, started calling her her instead of using her pronoun, 
which was he, because that's how she wanted to be identified. Oh. So essentially, you, you, they deadnamed her. So I know your guest mentioned deadnaming uh, yesterday. Yeah, I never heard that term before. Right. So they deadnamed her because it didn't suit their agenda. They were controlling the narrative. Okay. Pianchi? So that's, that's Pianchi's point. No, it's interesting. Yeah. Couldn't have said it no better. So what I'm curious about with the manifesto is what happened before. Uh, did So so we're, we're talking about a chick that wanted to be a dude. So so she is correct in that case? Biologically, she's biologically female? Yes. I'm trying she to keep is straight. biologically okay. a female. All right. Now, uh, is there what, what's, what's her drug history in terms of ADHD, antidepressants, vaccinations, and uh, trans drugs? Do we know? No. That's part of the problem. They're not releasing anything. Interesting. And which, which goes back to the control of information, which goes back to why aren't they releasing it? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. So I would agree, what's, I agree what's with the point, narrative? I agree with Let's identify the narrative. What is the narrative according to uh, what you think, John? What is the narrative? The narrative should be that you're absolutely right. You take a young person in their formative years, you fill them with 16 different drugs on top of mass hysteria that they're going to be a victim because they're choosing to be who they are. You're you're creating a monster. Mm Mm-hmm. So agreed. I mean, that's that's why. I, listen, I've been doing shows. Uh, you know, I used to do a, a temporary show in Bakersfield, California. This is back before 9/11. This was back in 2000, and we were talking about uh, drugs and mass public shootings then. You know, I've been doing this since Columbine, um, and so this is nothing new. So we know this is a problem. So the real narrative gets back to big pharma. This is a big pharma problem. Big pharma is creating monsters. You look at any of the. And in fact, I did a show on Adderall, uh, WBY. This is about five, six years ago, back when I was there. Uh, and we and I had guys calling in. They were still feeling the effects of Adderall. It's an ADHD drug that's a lot like crystal meth. It's a, it's a similar formula. And they're still suffering 20, 30, 40 years later from this drug they took as a kid to, because of alleged ADHD. So these drugs have profound effects on people's lives forever. So has anybody really investigated the fact that this is a big pharma, monster-created problem? That's not part of the narrative. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that, John? Go ahead, John. No, I, I agree. I think it is a massive problem. It's, it's a big pharma and government problem because they're encouraging it because they're making money off of it. Right. Right. But, Just like vaccines. No, I, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's – no one's doing serious investigative work on it other than the periphery, and they should be. But mm-hmm. we're back to – you can't get published because the ADA or AMA aren't going to publish those kind of studies. It's all going to happen. I've read them though. I, I've seen I've seen story after story. There was a, the, tele, the 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 Gabbard. What's her name? Gabbard, Gabby Giffords, uh, out in uh, uh, Arizona, was shot by a leftist, you know, drug induced, antidepressed, you know, drugged uh, person, who they said was yeah, a right right wing white supremacist. It was a bunch of nonsense. Sure, but that was that was one story, and you still don't know what he was on. You don't know its full background. You just get that initial report, and then that narrative is dropped. Okay, so let me ask no you this: when they so when they do toxicology uh, reports, police reports, do they include things like prescription drugs, antidepressants, hormone blockers, ADHD drugs, things like that? They are supposed to. Ah, but do they? It's hard to say. I would venture to guess no, uh-huh. only okay. because it doesn't fit the narrative. So it goes back to the China virus. How many people died 
from the China virus just based on money. There was no toxicology report on that. There was no nothing because they knew there was other causes. Mm-hmm. Or there was a root cause being a vaccination. Yep. Right. But they didn't they're not gonna publish those, they're not gonna put those out because on every death certificate for those in years, it was just straight China virus. If you ever look at the slides to our, our show, I put, I put the same slide, and I've been doing it now for probably about a year. It's the CDC chart from July of 2020, and it shows that the death rate from COVID was zero in mid-July. It was dropping. Now, obviously, there might have been more, so I don't think, it, you know, because they don't have all the certificates then, so there's like a, a delay. But the, the death rate from COVID was approaching zero in mid-July, and mid-July is also when they started lying when it started fudging the numbers. And if you look at the charts, uh, and I had a series of charts that I've still got on, on my computer, you can see that, that all of a sudden COVID comes back from nowhere, you know? And, and then they started charting, uh, you know, those cases instead of deaths. And they started fudging it. And they did all this preparation, all this propaganda, all the mass mandates and everything else came after COVID had effectively gone. And then they brought in right. the, the, the vaccine because the vaccine was delayed. The COVID shot, I should call it that, was out in December, but COVID was already pretty much gone by July. September, October, November, December. Six months. So it was really gone six months before they mandated a shot that was already not, it was already irrelevant. Well, we're back That's to big pharma and money. Big pharma, exactly. So if you look at the physician's desk reference, and I did this for Ritalin, uh, one of the side effects is homicidal and suicidal tendencies. Same thing with the antidepressants. I imagine it's the same thing with the puberty blockers, although I haven't checked them out yet because I don't know the name of one. But I'll bet if I look at the physician's desk reference, I'll find adverse effects include suicidal and homicidal tendencies. So if you combine you know, the autism and all the other health problems uh, from all these vaccines with the suicidal homicidal tendencies of ADHD plus antidepressant drugs, plus God knows what happens because you know, once we look up the hormone uh, blocking drugs, you're literally drugging people into being, you're creating Frankensteins. And yeah, then you make them a victim. So that's the real narrative. Add, ahead, yeah, add, add isolation, add social media. Okay. And it's that, that completes the recipe. Is there a, a self-righteousness component to this? So in other words, if we saw the manifesto, I mean, have you seen other manifestos where someone said, you know, I am doing God's work by killing these evil people, you know, or something like that. Did we ever see that kind of thing? Back in the day, yeah, occasionally. But oh, not, anymore. not anymore. Tell me, you, uh, tell me what you saw. I, I don't know the specific case off, off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, I mean, there was, you know, God told me to do X, right? Okay. But that's, that, those are isolated incidents. Hmm. And that's part of the problem with not releasing what we have from Nashville. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a, a massive amount of information there that would be useful for us to actually figure out what the hell happened and how to fix it. Yeah, what about the profilers? What about the FBI serial killer profilers? What about uh, uh, local uh, psychologists, a forensic psychologist, a uh, uh, criminally insane, you know, prison psychologist? I mean, there's a well, there's a there's a, a huge number of people that would benefit from this from this besides the historians and everything else, right? Well, just the public would benefit, right? If yeah. you were to give out just bullet points of hey, this is this is just kind of things mm-hmm. to look out for, right? Right? Isolation. Uh, research, fascination with uh, previous killings, uh, starting mm-hmm. to accumulate gear or training. Mm-hmm. Those are like four or five things right at the top of the board, right? Depression, right? If you start to see these changes in people, it's mm-hmm. something for you to pee on and watch out for. But most people don't even hear that because they're not going to release it. There's no background for it. There's no context because the damn government is essentially blocking it from our view. 
So they're happy to put restraining orders on gun owners, which we talked about in the previous hour, but they're happy to protect potential serial killers or mass murderers because they might be trans or they might be some other protected group. Sure, because it doesn't fit the narrative. So the the narrative, let's let's get to What is the narrative? The narrative is you can't judge people. You can't say mental mental, health illness is a problem. But you can judge people. You can't. You can judge white male Christians uh, as supremacists. They judge all the time. They said Trump was a Nazi. So let me rephrase that. Those are the only people you can judge. Uh, So the narrative is that minorities, members of of non-heterosexual groups, uh, people that have had elective cosmetic and uh, drug therapy to uh, to alter their bodies to resemble the other sex, these people are protected and can do no wrong. They deserve right. extra jobs. They deserve reparations. Let's go for the full narrative here. Okay? Let's, let's be really blunt. That's what the government is saying. They deserve government jobs. They deserve to be in the military. They deserve. They can do no wrong, so they really can't be fired. And these people, so these are the people that have civil rights. So in that case, who doesn't have civil rights? People that are ideologically opposed to what the government wants, the illegal government. So the people that are ideologically opposed to the illegal government are what we would call MAGA, Make America Great. So people who want great and the government to be small, they're not protected. That includes all of us. So we don't have protection. So the narrative is that we who believe in the founding principles of America are actually enemies of the government, and anything that happens to us is okay, like the January 6th political prisoners. I'm glad everybody else is using that term. I think we used it first as soon as they were put in there. But we tend to be ahead of everybody else anyway. So the narrative is that if you oppose the illegal government, you're a danger to that government because that government's illegal, and they can't allow that. If you oppose the agenda of trying to convince people by mass psychosis that Joe Biden somehow won the election against Donald Trump, which is absurd on its face, which is impossible to believe by anybody that has any common sense, which the Democrats know. Otherwise, they wouldn't have stolen the election and planned it so carefully. The fact that the Democrats planned the stealing so carefully means that they already knew well ahead of time that that, that, uh, Joe Biden could never beat Donald Trump in a fair election. Because if they believed that, they would have just campaigned, right? The proof is that they planned for years to steal it, probably from uh, the day after uh, the election in 2016. So that's the narrative. The narrative really is that America, what America stands for, is bad. That individuals don't have individual rights. That the Constitution is a lousy document that doesn't give government enough power. That if the government chooses the government, which they did in 2020, then everything's going to be fine, according to the government. This is technocracy. The experts rule. This is Plato's Republic. These are the people that are saying, we will tell you what's right. And then they go to the world government, and now we're going to expand it. We're going to take away not only American rights, we're going to take away individual rights for everybody. You will have no property, and you will enjoy it. You will eat bugs. You will have genetically modified God knows what on your, on your plate. And you won't be able to complain because the narrative says that if you complain, you're an enemy of the state. How am I doing? Yeah, it's fundamentally correct. But it's based on their belief that the America was corrupt from its founding. Oh, it was done, by a, bunch of, it was done by a bunch of 
well-off white men who implemented the government by stealing land and implementing slavery or encouraging slavery and allowing it to happen. And so then stealing the land from the Indians and committing genocide. So that's the, that's the original sin, right? So the original sin the, is that white guys, white, not women, but white men from basically England and Germany, because <laughs> where most of our people came from originally, right? Um, plundered, stole lands from the Native Americans, the American Indians, who were in the process of killing each other and enslaving each other at the time. Um, in massive wars all across this country. Uh, that's and then we and that this country is based on slavery. The 1619 Project. I've heard that. Well, I know this country is based on slavery when only eight percent of Southerners own slaves. That's not a big part of the country. I'm sorry. We, I mean, obviously we don't believe the narrative, but I'm saying, but this is where it all comes from. Look at Marco's view. Marco, what do you think about all this in the Netherlands? He's listening in. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, some we have Pennsylvania Dutch. You know, we had Dutch people came to this country, uh, although Dutch applied to I think Germans. He explained as well. So that's the narrative. So the real narrative is that white Western men are evil. Individual rights is evil because it doesn't go along with the collective. Our founding principles, our constitution, the idea of a limited government is evil, and so anything you do to these people is okay. Because we have to protect the minorities, the trans, the left, and all these other things. Does that about make sense? Yeah, it's all tainted. Hmm. Pianchi, you want to get in no, on I this? Don't. I'm on a roll. Yeah, I'm just listening. Okay. <laughs> well, feel free. I don't, you know, I don't want to leave you out of the conversation. Okay. So, let me tell you something that Peter Pry told me uh, before he died. Peter Pry is one of the best people that was ever on the show. Peter Pry, I think he's Russian background, a couple of generations, maybe one generation, or maybe his, his either parents or grandparents. Peter Pry uh, was the world expert on nuclear weapons and electromagnetic pulse uh, weapons and both defense against it. And he explained one day, I asked him about this, I said, uh, white supremacy. He said, well, let me tell you something about white supremacy. It's not white people. The supremacy that they don't like is the idea of freedom, that we believe that the supreme ideal, that what, what, what binds us and holds us together as a country and a culture, the belief is, it's the belief that is supreme. This is what they're against. So this relates to what you're talking about, John. So, so it's not white supremacy. It's, it's the supremacy of freedom, of individual rights, of limited government, of a constitution, of founding principles, of rights coming from God. That's what they're talking about. So the supremacy is, that's the supremacy they hate. They hate the, 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 that philosophy that we all have. What they embrace is the collective. That's what they believe is supreme. The collective is supreme. The world government is supreme. That uh, there are no individual rights. The only collective, the, the UN Declaration on, of Human Rights is a declaration of collective rights under a world government where they tell you what your rights are. And they have to be exercised collectively, which means there are no rights. So when they say white supremacy, what they really mean is, is ideological supremacy of freedom. So, so what they're really doing is trying to kill freedom and everybody that believes in it. That's what they mean by supremacy. That's what Peter explained to us. Right. And this is, and this is what the left's been doing for years, though. What they've mm -hmm. done is they've picked off groups isolated them, made them victims because now they have no freedom because they're being oppressed mm -hmm. and they're using them to, to get rid of the actual overwhelming or overarching uh, thought or cultural aspect of America, which is based on freedom. Mm -hmm. 
And freedom and yeah, for everybody. That's totally right. Yeah. No, and that's so, the point. So as, as a movement, yeah. conservatives believe that everyone's free. Mm-hmm. On the left, they don't believe that everyone's free. They believe everyone's a victim, and they classify them individually as Asian, Hispanic, black, trans. And they keep coming up with more classifications to make mm-hmm. more people victims who don't fit into those boxes. And they've been very successful at it. Oh, I know that's the problem. I mean, I'd rather be flying jets right now and, and maybe teaching flying, but I can't. <laughs> we have to save the country. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the crazy part, is that they're supremacy. So we need a word. If you want to change the narrative, we need a word for these people. Evil. We need to call them, well, evil's good, but I mean, I mean something kind of catchy. That, you know, white supremacy. Like gun control is one of the worst phrases in the world because it's so catchy. It's, it's easy to say. I need, and you can't say, well, we believe in Second Amendment rights. That's too long. You need something that's short and snappy. I don't really call them um, communist supremacists or uh, le- leftist supremacists. We need something that is just as catchy, you know, groupthink supremacists. We need something really powerful. We need a way to classify these people, you know, evil groupthink, something, so that we write a narrative against them. Oh, you're just an evil group thinker. You know, you believe, or just, uh, um, I don't know, government, you know, government supremacist, or, or some, I'm going to work on this. We need a term. We need a term for these people that are ideologically opposed. In fact, one of the things I want to do, there's a couple of bills I want to write, um, and that would expand, if I have done one already, that would include gun owners um, on the civil rights list of protected classes. And that would get rid of all this other stuff we're talking about here, like these domestic restraining orders and things like that. It would actually counter uh, the so-called Women Against Violence Act. By the way, how many women get restraining orders? Did you ever see one? Against them? Yeah, against them, against women. How many women get restraining right. orders against them by guys or I, by other women? It does happen. It's a small percentage. If I had to guess, okay. it's, probably under, it's probably, probably under 20% if I had to guess, maybe less than that. Hmm, it's higher than I thought it was. It's not quite possible. Yeah, How many? Well, generally, men would just walk away, you know. So <laughs> yeah, we'll leave. We're, we're, you know, like, yeah, right. You know, and plus, our egos won't allow us to have someone say, "Well, no, that lady can't come within a hundred feet of us." <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys are big on leaving. So, so the battered women's syndrome. There's no equivalent. There isn't usually a battered men's syndrome. They're not going to take it. They're going to go. Yeah, generally. I mean, there is technically there is a syndrome for that, but it's not not very common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, I think guys are a little more self-reliant. <laughs> we're kind of brought up with that, which is good. All right. Uh, I don't want to go with this. This is really this is interesting. Of redoing the narrative, we need to, we need to uh, basically oppress our oppressors. We need to put them in the how about box. A, how about an American liberal Marxist? Too long. You know, yeah. like three or four syllables. Yeah. I mean, this is marketing. We're basically looking at a way to market uh, a term that will classify these people as evil that's catchy that people can use, like MAGA. They're like, oh, you're a MAGA Republican. See, the left is brilliant at this. But they never explain what MAGA means. To which the response is, oh, you mean people that want her to be great? But that still takes too long. So we need something equivalent to a... To a uh, a gulag Democrat. That'd be that that'd be a decent term. You're just a gulag Democrat. I kinda like that one actually. What do you think? You're a gulag Democrat. Everybody disagrees yeah, with you in a bad. gulag. It's not bad. Yeah, you, gotta, let me write that, it down. you gotta put that you gotta put it in context because most young people don't even know what a gulag is. 
Oh. <laughs> they can associate they go, with MAGA they, quickly. Considering they attend one from K through 12. <laughs> yeah, but they have no idea what the term is. <laughs> right? Uh, okay, so yeah. let's, let's think of something more catchy. This is where I need, I need Brianna, our, our, our teenage reporter. We need her at this point. I like yeah, Gulag, for sure. Gulag, Demo- yeah, Gulag Democrat. Sure. Mm-hmm. Pianki, you got a term for us? What do you think? What's a nice catchy term for uh, the oppressive class? I don't know. I imagine we, we, you think of something. Well, I, I try to. <laughs> well, I, guess, I think Gulag Democrat's the best one so far. You're just a Gulag Democrat. Uh, or, or my other one was you're, you're, you're a mass Democrat, which stands for make America suck. <laughs> you're a mass Democrat. So if someone calls me a mega Republican, where well, you're, you're a mass Democrat. What's a mass Democrat? Someone wants to make America suck. Make America suck. That's, that's something Trump could do. He could get up and say, you know, I can't do a Trump impression. I should work on a Trump impression. He can get up and say, uh, yeah, they call you a mega Republican. And you come back and say, you're an MAS Democrat. You're a mass Democrat. Make America suck, Democrat. Let's have a gulag Democrat. Should we even use Democrat? We, yeah, we I don't need, know. Uh, we have to think of it. Gulag, so Marxist, yeah, Marxist doesn't work because the chances are they read it in college and uh, support it. Right. That's probably true. I mean, uh, the Communist Manifesto is one of the most required books in college campuses. Is that fascinating? Yeah, I've all. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's do something interesting I just thought of. I, I happen to have the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto with me. Have we gone over those? John, have you been over them lately? Not lately. Oh, okay. Well, we got about 15 minutes. This should be fun. Uh, and then we can go over the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so, the first, 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. Abolition of property in land. Well, there go the family farms. <laughs> you know, there goes, uh, yeah, so, uh, or control. I would say uh, if, if you lose property, you know, lose control of land, yeah, China's buying half of it. Um, mega corporations are buying it, and those corporations are, are operating with the government in a fascist way. Archer Daniels Midland. That's the first one. Comment? That was a little esoteric. Let me give you the number two. A heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Is there any part of our government that does not have a graduated income tax? In other words, taxing a greater percentage once you, uh, once you earn a certain amount more money. In other words, taking 30%, you know, over $100,000 versus 15% under $100,000. I mean, that's just a, a simple example. A graduated income tax is part of the communist, and we have that. Yeah. I think okay. we have all 10. Mm, let's, let's find it. Number three, abolition of all rights of inheritance. So what you accumulate for yourself, see, Social Security doesn't allow you to pass it on, but individual security would. Family farms, they tax family farms so heavily, the inheritance tax is so heavy that you can't pass on what your life's work to your kids. That's communist because everybody starts from nothing and, and ends up with nothing. Here's an interesting one. This is what I think we should put in place. Confiscation of the property of all, well, not immigrants, they say immigrants and rebels. So, so let's, uh, let's, I would change that to confiscation of the property of all illegal aliens and criminals. That might not be such a bad thing. That's asset forfeiture. Did that come from the Communist Manifesto? I don't know. I'm just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Asset forfeiture is interesting. There's actually a case coming up about that. We can talk about that next week. 
Okay. You want to give us a preview? My view is very simple. Uh, it can't it can't come without conviction unless you're an illegal alien, in which case you've already convicted yourself by being here. Yeah, I think that uh, the preview is basically the Supreme Court's looking at the validity of it and if it's constitutional or not, because it's, it's been a for for police to seize people's assets based on a arrest with or without a conviction. Mm-hmm. No, that's wrong. I've always, you know, when they used to do it back in the 80s, you remember the, uh, you know, the, the, the big drug problems they had in uh, Miami from, uh, you know, Columbia. You know, all these drugs are coming in by boat, by airplane. Uh, they'd seize anybody's boat or airplane or fast car. Well, we think that's associated with drugs. We're going to take it now. And then they would sell it or use it or whatever they wanted to do. That's wrong. That's, that's a, they're completely against due process. But for illegal aliens, since illegal aliens don't have any rights in this country because they're here illegally, then um, you, you can take that's all right. this stuff. You take all this stuff because the, the fact aliens, that they're here. Yeah, go ahead. Jackie? They don't have any rights because they're not U.S. citizens. Yeah. And, and because they're here illegally, so they're actually criminals. It's, it's, uh, it's one thing to be here because we have tourists that are here that are not U.S. citizens, and they're only here temporarily. But the fact that illegal but aliens came here illegally. But they, well, if they, if they stay too long, yeah. Visa expired, you know, uh, work permit expired, that's all, you know. So, yeah. So once you're you're not covered by the Constitution, if you're not we the people of the United States, you don't have any rights here. That's a whole topic in itself. Centralization of the credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. That would be the Fed. The Fed is unconstitutional. Centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Well, the Department of Transportation doesn't regulate all of transportation yet, although they're forcing electric cars on us. Centralization of communication, that would be censorship, the fascist cooperation of government with big tech. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state and bringing into cultivation of the wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. That would be collective farms, which results in the deaths of millions. Number eight, equal liability of all to labor. Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Everybody works. Everybody's a cog in the wheel. You can't live off uh, you know, property. There's only two more. A combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Well, that's interesting. Gradual, this, is, this one's interesting. Gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the population over the country. No more rural areas, no more farms, no more distinction between city and town and rural. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, well, you're starting to see those smart cities, right? Mm-hmm. Good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that makes sense. And the last one, number 10, the most dangerous of all, free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor. That's a good thing in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production. Well, that's fascism. But free education for all children in public schools. They even, that's, that's right out of the Communist Manifesto. Well, you know why that was, right? Yeah, to indoctrinate people. It was to why? create workers. For the state. Okay. The Prussian model. Yeah. Okay. That, that's what we're based on. It was it was there to create an environment where you created little automatons that would follow directions to be good workers for the state. Yep. Yep. That's why you you answer to a bell. You sit in classrooms that are arranged with desks. You are conditioned from the minute you walk in to follow orders. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. We have ten minutes left. You want to talk airline safety? <laughs> I know nothing about it, but sure. Okay. Well, did you hear our show yesterday? Uh, I caught part of it, yeah. Okay. So here's the problem with air safety. 
Uh, and we've got Marco still on the line here. I'd be curious, uh, Marco, what's, what's going on in the Netherlands as far, as far as this goes. Two problems. COVID reduced you know, the workforce. Everybody went home. Uh, but that's not the big problem. The big problem is affirmative action. They've taken uh, qualified controllers and replaced them with skin color affirmative action people who have no clue what they're doing because this is they've done to all of government. Now, in welfare office, that's not a big deal. <laughs> but in air traffic control and a control tower, it's a really big deal. So that's what we talked about yesterday. <clears throat> that applies across the board, though. We talked about this one of our initial conversations about cops and affirmative action. Uh-huh. Yep. No problem. So they got this guy, Damian Campbell, that almost caused a Southwest uh, uh, airliner. He cleared a Southwest airliner to take off, and a Fed Express, Federal Express cargo plane was about to land, and the, the Express plane almost landed on top of the Southwest airliner. Uh, so, so, so multiple tons of cargo would have crashed on top of 129 people. And the person was Damian Campbell, uh, a black poet who served in the military, um, you know, who uh, with a vocational education. I don't even think he had college. And yet, that's, and yet this person is, has had several incidents where they've almost piled planes into each other, and he's still working. Same for teachers. Yep. Right. So, Need okay. to check to see who he's related to. Damian Campbell? Well, uh, yeah, what if you go to the article, so the article's in Revolver. Well, he's got a website. You can look him up, Yankee. Uh, LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Damien dash Campbell dash 24A58540 if you have a LinkedIn. Yeah, and he talks about being a poet and things like that. But I think we're actually kind of done for the week. We're just kind of vamping for the last few minutes here. Uh, I don't, uh, we've covered a lot this week. Yeah, no, I, I, the affirmative action is you know, a massive problem across the board. And it goes to yeah. every industry, not just the airline industry or cops. Yep. You know, it's your doctors, it's your lawyers, it's all of it. You know, it, it it's a, basically you're catering to the lowest common denominator, even below that, in order for equality or equity. Well, yeah. equality. Let me, let me hit one of the things that I just came up on, uh, understaffing. So this is probably the problem with air traffic control. And this is from the Revolver article from a couple days ago talking about uh, affirmative action and COVID policy. It says, it is impossible to tell the story of air traffic control understaffing without beginning with the 1981 controller strike organized by the Professional Air Traffic Controllers Association organization, PATCO. And I remember that strike very well. Founded in 1968, it took only one year for the professional organization to lose its status and become designated, become, uh, designated instead of, as a labor union by the U.S. Civil Service Commission. 1969-1970, PACO became famous for organizing sickouts. The tactic of orchestrating employees to call in ill in protest against the FAA, which circumvented the federal law against by government unions. You see, government unions shouldn't even exist, but that's another thing. Anyway, it became interesting in 1980 when PACO endorsed Ronald Reagan uh, because of their sour relationship with the FAA under President Carter. Reagan reciprocated PACO's support, promising to improve working conditions for air traffic control. Within a year, however, PACO challenged the president's authority. When negotiations stalled with the FAA, PACO declared a full strike for 13,000 employees, uh, this time explicitly violating the law. While Reagan demanded the workers return to work under the Taft-Hartley Act, PACO remained obstinate and continued with the strike. It is one of the boldest moves in recent presidential history. Uh, Reagan fired 11,345 air traffic controllers, uh, uh, of whom were there after Bard 
from working a federal job ever again, and PACO was decertified. So 15,000 controllers, he fired 11,345 of them. So the question is, institutional memory. Air traffic control is not something you just pick up overnight. It's a skill. Uh, one of the things I used to do as a flight instructor was bring all my students up to the tower so they knew what the tower did. They actually met our people and looked at how they did their job, how they separated airplanes. And a small field that we had in, uh, in Concord, California, uh, they didn't have radar. You know, they did it by uh, where you called your position from and binoculars. You know, and that's how they separated. And by instruments, uh, when we were in instrument meteorological conditions, we had an approach facility that had radar, but the airport didn't. Right. So do you think, do you think that um, it's been, what, 30-plus years since then? Right. So I get probably the, the immediate aftermath, but currently is that as big a factor only because I don't it's think been so. 30 years, so you should have that buildup of experience? Yeah, I don't think so now. Okay. But uh, I think it's more the quality of the people. But I always wondered, uh, you know, I was, we were all praying that nothing would happen because when Reagan fired those controllers, even if he did the right thing, um, it's still, you can't just plug people in and have them instantly become controllers. It didn't work that way. Sure. But it, yeah. it, it, it didn't work because there wasn't massive, you know, flights getting crashed and airplanes going down. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah, look at it in terms I mean, of like Twitter. Twitter's it, kind of an yeah. example, right? Elon uh-huh. walked in, he fired 90% of the staff or 70%, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and it's running better than ever. Yeah. So I, well, some of that's got to be some waste involved as well. Yeah. They also, the next section talks about declining competency. This, uh, this is the aggression substitution of merit in favor of diversity has led to the so-called competency crisis, jeopardizing not only our ability to generate innovative technology, but in a more dire sense, our ability to simply maintain the proper functioning of various complex systems vital to our existence as a first world civilization. Yeah, it's an interesting article. It does get political in, in some interesting ways. All right. So the question is, do you feel safe flying? Relatively. As far Possibly. as the pilot goes. As far as the okay. pilot goes and the plane uh-huh. itself. Relatively. Do you think pilots should have to declare their vaccination status? Yeah. I think that if we're going to make that, it, it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Okay. So if we're going to if we're going to make that a condition of people getting on an airplane or having to wear a mask or any of those other things, then absolutely, I need to be vaccinated. Can we request a non-COVID jabbed crew? You should be able to. Like I said, yeah. it, if we're going to apply these things equally across the board, then mm-hmm. I think nothing's off the table, and that's part of the problem with our side is we don't fight like that. We're about to control that narrative again, right? So you want to say, I can't get on a plane because of X. Well, why can't we request this? If we want to have equal protection under the Constitution, under our laws, then mm-hmm. you should go both ways. No, I agree. I think it's very interesting. Pianki, what do you think? Do you think you, could, you should be able to, in the interest of disclosure, be able to select a, a flight crew for a flight that has not had the COVID jab in the interest of your own personal safety? I guess he's, he's busy doing other stuff. We only got a couple minutes anyway. All right. I said no. So, that would be that would be a hard one. Because. Well, because the job requires you have a shot. And but does it though? Is, oh, it doesn't. Well, if it doesn't. <laughs> well, they get rid of the mandate for like the airline pilots. 
It's just yeah. like requesting that you don't want a pilot that's been smoking marijuana because marijuana will cause you to lose your certification. Well, that's different, though. I mean, the airlines can take care of that themselves, but they were mandating the COVID jab, and 20% of the airline pilots refused. And the airlines found that they couldn't function with 20% of their pilots not flying because too many flights were being canceled. So they said, okay, we're not going to have the, the mandate anymore. That's why we don't have the mandate. But my question is, given that uh, pilots have died in flight or become incapacitated in flight, should we be able to have at least one non-jabbed pilot or an entire or both pilots be non-jabbed? Should we know which which are, wouldn't that be interesting as, as a, you know, if they could market that? So, OK, you know, our pilots are, are we'll, we'll tell you which flights are, are non-jabbed and just see which how many people book those flights. That would be fascinating. Yeah, I think you'd see overwhelming support. Yeah, people would fly on the non-jab flights. They wouldn't fly on the on the flights where people have had the COVID jab. Yeah, Wouldn't absolutely. That? Okay. So where is the airline passenger association? There's one thing that's been missing in this whole argument. This will this will tie us up for for the for this week and next week. I have a lot of work to do before before Tuesday show. Bye, Marco. Have a good weekend. So I say, Marco in the Netherlands. Um, but where's the airline? Didn't have they- you noticed? Didn't they used to have airline passenger associations that would complain when airlines weren't on time and they published surveys? Who's the most on time? Who's the least? You know, who loses your baggage the most? They had all these different surveys. They had all this stuff they used to do. I haven't heard a word about them since COVID started. Yeah, now they don't want to know. Didn't they try oh. and pass an airline passenger bill of rights or something like that not too long ago? I, th- I think so. Let's look it up real quick. I don't know. Yeah, you have your right to know if you're going to be on time. You have a right to a refund if they're so much late. Airline right. passenger. So as, far as your, so as far as your air traffic controllers go, do you think that's a generational problem as well as far as the workers' uh, willingness to do the job as opposed to just do the very bare minimum, if that, without an expectation? In the sense that they're, they feel entitled to have that job like we talked about before. So okay. I'm entitled to the job. I don't have to perform for it. Yeah, but if you don't perform for an air traffic control job, people die. I agree, but that, that what I'm talking about as far as their perspective goes as a worker, right? it's not the same commitment as it used to be, where people who were air traffic controllers back in the day, it was that was their mm-hmm. job, and they took it very seriously. Oh, I've as opposed them. to now where you have a generation of entitlement where yeah. they believe that they can have any job they want for any reason mm-hmm. they want, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how they perform. And the government will do that. They'll put people in jobs like, you know, Damian Campbell, the poet that uh, almost landed a FedEx cargo jet on top of a 737, a Southwest jet. And this is just sure. in Austin. With this no, is recently. And that's not the no first repercussions. time. Yeah. And that's the bad part. No repercussions. This person should have been immediately transferred to like a weather station in Greenland. Go work there. Go work for NOAA. Go work for the well, weather people. You can't do much harm. Mandated restraining. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you get fired. You can get fired in a company for for just take care, Marco. For just you know screwing up on the job, uh, showing up late, they can fire you, right? Right. And this guy almost crashes two multi-billion-dollar airplanes with hundreds of lives, and he keeps this job because he works for the government. Sure. So there's the real issue: is the government standards. That we need to start wholesale firing of people. Uh, well, see, we need to get rid of civil service. That's a bigger problem. Get rid of civil service. Get rid of government protection. A government job should be no more protective than a private job. It should be no difference whatsoever. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. On that note, I think we're done. Uh, let's get Pianchi last word from you, and then uh, John last word, and then I'm going to play a couple things, and we're gone. Everybody be safe. Nice weekend. Thanks, Pianchi. John? Yeah, thanks for having me, and have a great weekend. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I, see, I would say it differently. I'd say drive fast and take chances. Life's not funny unless you risk things. I'm serious. Drive fast, take chances, and take risks. Otherwise, your life is boring. <laughs> On that note, let me play some things. Thanks, John. Um, take care. So just l- let me tell the people. So for next week, next week's going to be pretty exciting. Monday, I don't know. Uh, but Tuesday with uh, Alan Dershowitz and Naomi Wolf is going to be a very, very busy show. They're only on for half an hour each. Uh, I pretty much guarantee you, unless they go more than half an hour, I'm not taking calls uh, during those, those two, two folks report because I want to ask all the questions. I didn't work 30 years to get a talk show to let everybody else ask questions of these famous guests. That's my job. So I'll be monopolizing that a little bit. Anyway, um, back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, where we will do it all again. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Pankless. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.